My name is Matt Brown. Underneath, and touchdown, Rashad White! And let's start the show. Gano's kick is short. Oh. And this game ends in a 2020 top. What's going on, people? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, December 7th, 2022, the first show of December 2022 for this podcast. Let's get, it, let's get ready to rock and roll, talk about this very important week in the NFL season, and look ahead to another crucial at this point, mid-December season game and a lot of other fun stuff in between and beyond that. So we have a very big show for you, but I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out on the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdConvoPod, we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So a few things to point out. And the most important thing that today is December 7th, it is Pearl Harbor Day. 81 years ago today, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor leading into the United States entering World War II. And, is, and we just want to honor and thank all of those fallen heroes All those men and women who went out, they fought, and they helped prove why they are the greatest generation. So I just want to point that out. Rest in peace to all our fallen heroes. You are not forgotten, and you will never be forgotten on this Pearl Harbor Day. Another thing, so we were supposed to have a World Cup pod last week. My guest canceled on me last minute. Weren't able to do it. Now, we might be able to fit it in. We might not. I can't make any promises there. But just so you know, I apologize for not being able to release the World Cup pod last weekend. Again, my guest had an urgent matter, and uh, we had to move it. So, But we might be able to pull it off anyways. The World Cup still has about a week and a half to go until we have the big world championship. So who knows? Um, I hope to one day have a World Cup podcast and really cover it in four years when they come to North America. And it's been a very interesting World Cup. I will say that, especially for someone who doesn't watch as much soccer as he should. But, you know, that's going to change. And I just want to apologize for not being able to release the World Cup show. And just so you know, we are working hard despite our very very intense work schedule um you know this new job i enjoy it i just work a lot i just work a lot so um just still figuring out how to balance that schedule and also working a little bit on the weekends to catch up on all the bills and stuff but just so you know there is still great content coming beyond our usual football shows that we have done a lot this fall and early winter and we especially after the new year We really will have a great mix of both sports and non-sports shows. As we say, the four categories, sports, entertainment, news, and culture, that's what makes up the Productive Conversations podcast. And we have a lot of good stuff coming your way, especially after the new year. I also want to apologize if you hear a little static. 
That's because even though I told my roommate, hey, I'm going to record a podcast tonight. And he has the dry and he has the laundry running, so that's attracting static. Static is getting transferred in here, so you might hear a little, you know, white noise. I want to apologize for that, and I will make sure my roommate doesn't do that again. But again, as the future, as we have our future set, I just can't wait till we have a professional studio one day to avoid these issues. But no big deal. We can still do the show, but if you hear some static, that's why. You can thank my roommate for that. But uh, I've said everything I need to say. Honor those at Pearl Harbor. We have a lot of great content coming in your way, especially after the new year. And what am I missing? I'm not missing anything, I don't think. And uh, if I did, I said it already. So, oh yeah, and the static issue. But besides that... We still have our heads up high. We still have good times ahead. And I just want to let you know we have a great NFL productive conversation coming your way. Week 13 in the NFL, we saw major injuries. We saw brutal defeats. We saw ties. We saw a lot of good stuff in the NFL this past week. And it was a week that I've really, really anticipated talking about. Especially after watching Monday night's comeback with Tom Brady. We really got a bit of everything. So let's just start it right away. Brian, Desmond, and Alex Renelio. Those guys are here again. Alex Young had to work late. And uh, let's get into week 13 in the NFL. And let's talk about what is about to unfold when it comes to the National Football League and beyond. So lots of good stuff coming your way. So let's talk about the NFL. Week 13, the conversation starts right now. This is a very productive conversation. This week was everything we all expected and more. This week had brutal comeback brutal losses and amazing comebacks significant injuries that will change these conferences especially in the nfc we saw a tie uh we saw a lot of good stuff happening all over the place whether your primetime games or your normal one and four games it was good and I can't wait to talk about it. Looking ahead to week 14, there's only five weeks to go or four weeks to go after this. So it's going to be really good. So let's do it. Today's show, we have Alex Rinellio, Brian McKee, Desmond Price here. Alex Young's still on his secret mission. So we'll see him soon. Um, so with that, guys, let's start with uh, probably the best Thursday night football game. And it was only an okay game. But um, it really set a precedence in the AFC East. So let's get to it. Let's start with the Bills and Patriots. Bills win 24 to 10. It seems that Bill Belichick, I think, I don't know about you guys, but I think Bill Belichick is running out of options. And with this loss and Mac Jones showing his weaknesses even more against this Bills defense and a defense that was missing some key players, they still couldn't put up points. And uh, I think their season is pretty much done unless they went out and have some luck along the way with other teams losing. So bye-bye Patriots or nah? I would say bye-bye Patriots, but I think that was the feeling throughout this entire season just because, you know, it can't be good forever. And it's finally hit the – they've hit the, the bad bug now. Um, but what I really find interesting is this, it's the lack of coaching on the offense and – 
I think this was a winnable Matt Patricia game. And Joe yeah, Judge. Matt Patricia F- and Joe Judge, like clowns. Like this was a winnable game for them. Like it, the score really doesn't reflect um, the game much. I feel like it could, you know, twenty four ten, you know, four two a two score loss sucks. Um, but I feel like it was a lot closer, and I feel that um, you know the first couple of drives to the Patriots were very good, and then they just stall out. And it's because and I think it's the play call. You see, uh, Mac Jones, who doesn't really get that fired up, go to Matt Patricia and say, "Stop running the fucking the fucking uh, ball, pass the ball," because that's all they do, and they get they get you know they get put in bad situations because of it because of the play calling when. They have capable weapons in the, at the receiving uh, and tight end core. Like Hunter Henry and Smith, they have been Pro Bowl players. One of a, a, a Pro Bowl player, the other one on the verge of becoming one. Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne had 800 yards last season. And this season he has like less than 200. So obviously this is a schematic thing because people just don't vanish from, you know, like this so uh, you know they're out there i just think it's they're not getting schemed to their advantage mm-hmm. and it seems a little too late for that <laughs> yeah no i couldn't agree with you more honestly i don't think i really have anything to add when i look at the patriots offense it just feels very just without a plan they're just out there kind of winging it i don't really see any kind of like true strategy they're not running effectively they're not passing effectively they have a deep threat as you mentioned with Devonte parker they've barely utilized him at all this year jacoby myers seems to be the person that uh, mac jones feels the most comfortable throwing it to but he's been in and out of the lineup with the injuries and when i'm looking at the patriots now i think they're one of six teams who are fighting for the last playoff spot in the afc and I think of those six teams, they have the worst offense. So in my mind, I know I said earlier in the season, I thought they were a playoff team, but they've really kind of faltered these last few weeks. And I don't imagine them finding that seven seed at this point with the other teams who are jockeying for position with them right now. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'll add to what you guys have all said, because it's been, you know, astute and on point, I think um, the real takeaway from this is that I think it's really a catch 22. They're, they're really predictable in what they want to do schematically. They want to dumb things down for Mac Jones and they want to simplify the playbook, but you can't really get a run game going if you don't have, um, uh, if you don't have um, unpredictability and have a little bit of spontaneity. So because they can't really get a lot of play action out of Mac Jones and, and, you know, shake things up. I think one of the uh, underreported things that I kind of hinted upon at the beginning of the outset of the season when we were picking um, these divisions was the inability for Bill Belichick to accrue and bring back Bill O'Brien as the offensive head, quarter, uh, head coordinator and him staying in Alabama was really a detrimental blow because it left them holding the bag and not having a plan on board for the last six, seven weeks leading up to the preseason. And I think that it's starting to rear its ugly head in the second half of the season now where you're starting to separate the wheat from the chaff. So I think that the nails are not necessarily in the coffin for this team because I think the AFC has a lot of weakness down where the six, seven spot is in the, in the wild cards. Um, it's going to really, uh, it's really going to depend on what happens the last few weeks when there's a lot of divisional matchups coming down on uh, the pipe. But I do think that this is a, um, definitely a big demerit on, um, on their resume for the season. And it definitely wipes away any hopes of winning the division, God forbid at all. So. Yeah. I just want to make one more point on the Patriots before we move on. 
I think we've spent so much time talking about how great Bill Belichick is. I think we need to also just like throw some egg in his face a little bit here because he's supposed to be this tactical masterminding genius. And yet he was unable to find an offensive coordinator for his team. I mean, he brought back Matt Patricia, who went to the Lions and made them worse, which Mm -hmm. is inconceivable because they were 10 and six the year before he got there. He also brings back Joe Judge, who took the Giants, made them worse. And he has them come in and somehow be co-offensive coordinator two people who made both teams they had coached worse it's it just you, you got to do better than that and if you're supposed to be this great legendary coach i mean this can't be your result it can't not not in boston not in the city of winning at everything yeah well, i knew matt patricia is a defensive guy and mm-hmm. joe judges special teams let's let them in control offense like yeah, I know your enemy, but like, you know, it's a shame too because Mac Jones gets the raw deal when, you know, Alabama is a complicated offense and this is a, a, this is now a rudimentary dumb offense and they're, you know, he, he, he doesn't even have the ability to audible. They don't let him audible. And I think, you know, there is something to be said for um, the Brady effect. When he's not in New England, it doesn't seem like people are banging down their door to come back, crawl back to the uh, New England as an organization. I think there was a real full, um, you know, lockstep, uh, you know, uh, a tribute to the rule of law when he was there. He held everybody accountable, and it feels like Bill's kind of in a tier of his own when he doesn't have Brady by his side. So I think that's just something worth noting as we start to assess his legacy post-Brady. And as for the Bills, you know, they've been talked about for a lot, for many times on the show and all over the place, getting a big win they crucially needed. Looking at the next five weeks, you play each division, each player, each team in your division at least once. You play Joe Burrow and the Bengals, who are arguably the hottest team in the NFL right now. Then you also play the Bears, especially just in fields happens. They're not um, a gimme game. So moving forward, especially keeping this momentum up, do we and hopefully as each week goes by, they get players back like Von Miller and stuff like that. Do we see this as a way to make everything seem right? I haven't heard many reports about Josh elbow, Josh Allen's elbow issue. Do we think that they can take this win and lead them into, let's say, I don't know if they want to win now. It's going to be very hard. Or do you think they can come off above 500, secure this division, and who knows, maybe even secure the conference if the wins keep going up and get some uh, home field advantage coming their way? I think it's I think it's theirs to lose right now. They should be in the catbird seat. I think that Miami definitely um, exposed himself a little over the weekend, and we'll talk about that in a Bad ladder. loss. Yeah, but um, I think that right now it's their division to lose. I couldn't agree more. I just think as a scheduling and just having that nine and three record right now really like gives them a lock for the division. Even though they have to play Miami, like again, like it's, they they have they have room to work with for like you know a sparing loss here, which a lot of teams don't have. But I also think we ought to put emphasis on the fact that they really did well running the ball in this game, and that is going to be the key going forward to them. Um, to just have a healing Josh Allen, even if he's fully healed. You know, we all know that it takes more than, you know, the usual amount of time they say for something to heal in the NFL just because you're constantly getting hit in the healing process. It happens. So, you know, this run game keying up on that, um, I think it would be a big pick for them. 
I mean, the issue for the Bills all season and last season has been how they play in one score games and three of their final five remaining uh, opponents are all going to be playoff teams. So I think that, you know, by the time we get through this, this Bengals game on uh, January 2nd, we're going to know exactly who the Bills are. I actually think they have a really strong chance to win all five of these remaining games. I think the Bills, you know, still look to me as the best team in the AFC as long as Josh Allen's healthy. Whoa, the the best team in the AFC? Yes. All right, clip that one. I mean, they already <laughs> beat the Chiefs, and they're facing the Bengals on the second, so they have a chance to prove it then. Well, we'll see. That that was my sticking point, too, with Cincinnati. As for a team trying to catch up with them, and the New York Jets playing the Minnesota Vikings, it seems like that was their game to lose for the Jets. Jets fall short against Minnesota. And uh, I think this was a well-played game in the fourth quarter. Um, the first quarter, the first half, not so much. But um, Mike White keeps them competitive and almost produces a comeback, but it's a little too short for them. Does any promising play for the green, for gang green shows that they can compete against these teams that have better records and maybe some more momentum against them. Were you impressed with how the jets played against the Vikings and uh, Kirk cousins at the one PM hour? I'm definitely impressed. I think this is the best loss that the jets could ever have because right now, Minnesota is that team. If you remember a few years back, the Phillip rivers chargers that always lost uh, one score games, uh, always lost them. They were like a ridiculous record, um, like in two seasons worth. This year, the Vikings are the reverse. They just win one score games and are very, you know, clutch at the end. And we know this. We don't think they're that good. It's fool's gold, but they just have this clutch factor this year, even though Kirk Cousins is not a clutch guy. But this is a good loss for the Jets. A, you can put points up when your defense plays bad. That is a huge moral win for this team that highly relies on a defensive scores, but also is known to shut down an offense. So that's really key up on them as well. And also Mike White play put up numbers, even though he had the two interceptions, one being a deflection and the last one being, you know, just trying to make something out of the, in the fourth quarter and win. So he's showing progression and they show that they could come back under a deficit. So I think it's a good moral victory. Imagine they had Bryce Hall or Brees Hall. If Mike White has a similar game this week against the Bills that he had against the Vikings last week, then Zach Wilson needs to be released or traded or what have you. Uh, He looked great in this game. He doubled up Kirk Cousins in passing yards. He looked like he had complete command over the field. He's won over the locker room, had his teammates wearing shirts with his name on it going into the game. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I like this guy. I feel as though he has poise out there. And I was really impressed with the Jets offense. Uncharacteristically, the Jets defense was the one who had the bad game, letting the Vikings score 27 on them. But, you know, they were playing a road game. I still think this Jets team is a lock for the playoffs. I was really encouraged by what I saw this week. Yeah, I don't see Zach Wilson coming back anytime soon, even if there's an injury, I think they'll put Joe Flacco. Remember, he wasn't active again this week. And I think that speaks some volumes. So I'm going to be kind of the contrarian here. I'll I'll say that I want to couch my reservations for a playoff berth for the Jets because I think that they're supremely talented on one side of the ball on the defense. And I do like Mike White as a comparative step up. 
um, you know, marginally to Zach Wilson, but there's still a lot of questions with um, this offense. Now, this may just be the eye test, but I mean, he was 31 of 57, two picks, no touchdowns. So I, I again, I mean, he, he definitely looks, you know, a marginal improvement from Zach Wilson. And I think that he's got the rah-rah in the back and support of his teammates, but I definitely need to see a lot more moving forward before I even put them into the playoffs. Fair speaking enough. Of playoffs, <laughs> all right, speaking of playoffs, speaking of playoffs, it's going to be very hard for them to make the playoffs just because they're playing a lot of teams on the upswing right now. Um, they played Bills. The Lions, which will be a hard game against the Lions. The Jaguars, which could be a toss-up just because of the offensive scoring and if the defense has a bad day. Seattle and the Dolphins. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a challenge. It's an uphill battle for them for sure. Absolutely. And regarding the other New York team, right? You know what they say? Ties are like kissing your sister. We'll say kissing your family member. This I personally don't have a sister, but um <laughs> well in a game that was crucial for both teams to make strides in the division, especially after seeing Philly win. Um, and, you know, Dallas is off, but... Um, Dallas oh, sorry, no, no, they off. weren't off. They they went off, yes, I meant to say. And Dallas went off at 54 points. Then both teams getting wins, and these two teams tie, which really kills momentum for both franchises trying to get that half game in now. But um sure. but uh at first Washington I thought this was their game to win. I mean everything was going bad for Big Blue. Daniel Jones starting to turn over the ball again. Saquon wasn't having a a special game that we were hoping for. And then Washington was a uh, falling short as well. And Giants catch up. They take the lead. Then they have one of the worst played overtime games on both sides of the field. And it ends with Graham Gano trying to make a historic field goal, go falling just short. It was looking good, but it wasn't good enough. And uh, like I said, in the common theme about how the at least for the Giants' reality, that they are only as good as their roster represents them to be. And then having bad coaching decisions by Dayball this week and questionable play calling can only uh, accept the inevitable as a Giants fan here. This team um, could just be a year away, as everybody says, and especially lack of weapons, even though this was the first time we saw Daniel Jones throw the ball deep that I can at least remember wasn't good enough. You had so many drops from the wide receivers. It was excruciating and annoying, especially when you expected Daniel Jones, Darius Slayton to at least be a nice core together. But uh, this sucks. Hey, you didn't lose, but um, that half a game is going to kill you seedings wise. And, um, at least you should be. I'm sure if you're a Washington fan, uh, you feel the same way. And it's interesting they're going to flex this game to next Sunday night. So we'll see what happens there. But not uh, happy. Big Blue. What? Oh yeah, they kicked. I saw they kicked the Raiders out. Oh, sorry, Alex. You've only had a great historic run for your franchise and as a whole. That's all I can okay, say on well, that. Got the prime time game this week. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Short week. Yeah. Uh, that's all right. But yeah, so with both teams having essentially the same issue, that's one benefit of having a tie. Who, what do you do with um with these two teams moving forward? Do you see any of these teams 
uh, making a playoff push with this tie game. The only advantage I see is um, the fact that they're close, and maybe you have Seattle to worry about. But um, this was uh, this was annoying, for for lack of a better word. I uh, I think the Giants are going to make the playoffs. I really do. I mean, looking at the yeah, remaining I schedule that. and looking at who else is in the NFC, just look at the NFC playoff picture. You know, when it comes to the teams who are like eight through 12, for instance, these are all kind of just bad teams. So it, yeah. it's not like the Giants are making the playoffs because they're a, a great team. I think it's just also they're a good team combined with a favorable schedule combined with the lack of good teams below them who might be able to move up. You know, they got games against the Commanders, the Vikings, who I still think are frauds, and the Colts left on their schedule. I think they can win all three of those games. I think they can get to 10 wins. You know, I, when I look at this past game, Daniel Jones went 25 of 31. You know, that that's incredibly efficient, but he only mm-hmm. had 200 yards passing. They're just not right. pushing the ball down the field. Yeah. So, I mean... And that's where those drops killed us, man. It should be a... Uh, those numbers should... At least the yardage should be a lot more finally get a 300-yard game out of him, but you're going to have to Yeah, yeah you know, I, I don't think the Giants are, are that far off. Again, I've been saying this all year. I think they're like a first-round exit type of team, but I uh, they I think the odds are still in their favor to make the playoffs as of right now. I look at um I look at this game, and I actually think that the Giants were very fortunate to get out on a tie. Um, obviously, no one likes a tie, and that'll be another segment for another day because I think that they should probably adopt the college uh, format for overtimes. Don't disagree. Yeah. Just personally. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the numbers, like Washington dominated on time of possession. Um, I thought that they neutralized Saquon to a marginal degree. And I thought that even with McLaurin having a big game, I thought that um, they kind of had timely stops when they needed to the Giants in the, in the second half. So I think um, all things considered, I think uh, a tie was the best case scenario for them. And I think that they can make a playoffs only for the reasons that Desmond kind of said, you know, by virtue of scheduling and, um, you know, the, uh, the the competition breakdown in the last five weeks, um, you know. And I, and I think that, um, you know, watch, watching this New York Giants team, there's just there's a lot to be desired uh, for this offense, to say the least. I think that, um, you know, and we'll talk about this another at another time, but I think that going into the offseason, there's going to be a real shakeup with Dayball. It's going to, going to have some, you know, um, there's going to be some axes coming out. We'll see what happens. But uh, I think that this, uh, I think ultimately, you know, long story short, I mean, short story long, I think um, – I think that Washington, you know, kind of squandered this game, to be honest, particularly in the second half. And I'm kind of curious as to why teams like have an inability to just stop getting first downs in overtime. I'm not sure what that's about. <laughs> yeah, that that is weird. I guess just just the pressure and then you only have 10 minutes. I mean, even if they had these rules at 15 minute marks, it'll make a huge difference. But um, I don't know. I they got to change know. the overtime rules. Yeah, really definitely. Do. Yeah, we we all agree we need to adapt the call the NCAA. Where At the very you, least, just have them start. Oh, the I I, I disagree line. with I disagree with that completely. I think the NFL offenses are too good that the uh, overtime wouldn't end if you did the good college way. Yeah, so I think you got to push it back a little bit. I would start at the fifty yard line personally. Yeah, I think the fifty <laughs> you have to do it. Yeah, gonna, or yeah. or you just do special teams and have them punt and kick return, and whoever scores the special teams <laughs> touchdown wins. What is this rugby? Make it interesting. <laughs> um, but speaking on Washington, I really think Washington has the edge over the Giants right now just because of scheduling, because they just tied at 
at New York, correct? In, in, in MetLife. And now they're going to – now the Giants have to go to the Eagles. They're going to lose to the Eagles. And then they have to play Washington at home. And you just tied against them. And my personal opinion is Chase Young will be back by then, full strength. So yes, that's a loss again. You then lose to the Vikings. The Colts is always a toss-up. You never know. And then you play the Eagles again, which even if they're resting, you could still lose. So me personally, I think that the Giants lose every game for the rest of the season. Whoa. Maybe the Colts. There's Whoa. the clip. There's the clip. <laughs> There's Keep the clip. that clip. Keep the clip. I, th- I think they're losing every game for the rest of the season. On the same time, though, for the Redskins, they do Giants, 49ers, Browns, and Cowboys. And I think Giants and Browns is a, is a win. They could, be, they could beat the Browns. The Browns don't look good right now. Um, especially that their run defense is stout, which would be perfect against Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then you go against the 49ers where if Brock Purdy has a bad game, it's going to be close. Because they yeah. both have good defenses. And you're left with Cowboys who will be resting players because they'll be in the playoffs. So that might even be a no contest. The yeah. teams who are around the Giants right now and for this final playoff spot, the Lions, the Packers, the Commanders, the Falcons, the Cardinals, I just I just don't see any of them like really pushing up. I mean, I guess it comes down to the Giants or the Commanders, but I, I think everyone else has basically eliminated themselves just from not being a good team this year. I think no, I agree with you. Giants and the Redskins, yeah, I think so. So we had two. So speaking of one of the teams you mentioned, the Steelers get another win. They win 19 to 16. Hope you guys saw that hilarious viral clip. The guy trying to uh, encourage Coach Mike Tomlin. And he just said, fuck you. I'm working. And um, I think, you know, the Steelers really can make a push to at least get over 500 at this point. Still trying to figure out if uh, Kenny Pickett is um, the quarterback of the future. You know, did enough, did a good enough game to win, but um, still nothing really stuck out. Um, nothing really stuck out to me um, with this. And the Falcons, it's just too bad because so many people say back in October they were really looking good, but um, you know, when you lose to teams of the five hundred, you're just uh, inevitable. So um, tough break for them. But that's all I really have to hear. It's not much else to mention. But do we see that the Steelers can end above five hundred? Show how damn good of a coach Mike Tomlin is with all the injuries he's faced, especially uh, defense and switching quarterbacks like that. I think that's the only real point to make here that the Steelers can at least go to over five hundred. I think they got a shot. I think what I really worry about, though, is this the lack of play calling on the offense just because it's so terrible. Like, if the fact that George Pickens only had two targets this game doesn't really make sense to me. Um, and that's just – that's play calling right there. They need to have plays designed for their best receiver. He is your number one guy now. Um, and the offense needs to be run through him. And Najee Harris, just as you have a, you know, a learning Kenny Pickett, so, you know, we'll see. But, it, you know, they need to do something at this OC position, definitely in the offseason. I, I definitely agree with that. The offensive play calling has been abysmal for the Steelers. I think with 
Lamar Jackson getting injured and having two of the remaining five games being against the Ravens, I think the Steelers are in prime position to get to nine wins and have um, another winning season, or I guess in this case, yeah, another non-losing season for Mike Tomlin to keep his streak alive. But yeah, I mean, they're facing the Ravens and the Panthers in the next two weeks. Uh, They're going to have a tough game against the Raiders, who are surging right now. Uh, But yeah, then Ravens and Browns again after that. Yeah, I think the the field is kind of set there for the Steelers to coast to nine wins, in my opinion. You know, it's funny. We were bashing um, and shit talking this uh, matchup, saying it was just like it just stunk to high hell. Um, but I think if you actually go back and watch the highlights, I thought this was like for diehard football fans, it was actually a pretty solid game. Um, it was a defensive battle, a lot of um, a lot of special teams, you know, with the pet. I think really what it boiled down to for Atlanta was they lost with that costly penalty that led to the touch uh, that brought back the touchdown on the final drive. And, um, you know, with Pittsburgh pun- um, punting and, and, and pinning Atlanta deep, I thought it was kind of an exciting finish. But obviously these are both two teams that have a lot of work to do in the off season and starts with the offense for both teams. Um, I'm actually, um, I know we didn't really broach this subject, but I'm a lot higher on Arthur Smith than I am Mike Tomlin moving forward. Um, just from what I've seen, I I'm still, the jury's still out on Mike Tomlin. I, I don't really look at a coach's assessment, particularly as in the win and loss column, because I think he inherited a pretty solid roster when he first took um, when he first took a job in Pittsburgh. But I think that I have faith that he's at least going to break even, like Desmond said, for the for the season. Um, and we'll see what happens with Atlanta, too, because I think a lot of people had cast them out, including myself, as being like the number one lottery team. But um, they've shown a lot of fights. So we'll see. Hey, man, remember, Mike Tomlin has a job for life. Steelers don't fire their coaches. They've had three coaches in the last 60 years. So I think um, the day he leaves is when he wants to retire. And uh, at least producing wins is still impressive. Um, Another game. Listen, he does it again. Aaron Rodgers can beat the Chicago Bears. That's one thing to guarantee. The sky is blue. Um, Pizza is made in New York and New Jersey and the world. And then there, I don't know. I, I don't know why I had something way more clever, but uh, anyways, one thing to guarantee always Aaron Rodgers beats the bears. And at, especially early on, we thought, wow, this really is going to be a terrible season for him and the uh, Packers, but they come back and they secure the win. And um, in the return, he just fields as well. But uh, Aaron Rodgers just figures it out. Him and Watson, too bad they didn't really have their special thing they had going at the beginning of the season. But what's that? Five straight games with at least what touchdown between the both of them. I mean, he's no Devontae Adams, but um, Green Bay gets a win. And um, that's really it because uh, they're still five and eight. And I don't see them making the playoffs. But the Bears, three and ten. Pretty ugly, but at least I think you should be happy if you're a Bears fan because uh, Justin Fields is a solid athlete, even if this game wasn't his best. You know, killing it on the killing it both on the ground and the passing game. But um, that's really all I have to mention on this game. You guys have anything else to say? Yeah, same thing. Nothing crazy except uh, Cole Komet is a top ten tight end in the league. I'm seeing it in the last few weeks now, week in week out. He's really becoming that uh, safety blanket for Justin Fields um, and really reminds me of Cam Newton, Greg Olson, this combo. I just, with the playmaking duo 
And I, I just, I, I just see it. I see this relationship growing more and more. Um, and an announcer actually compared Komet to Greg Olson. And I was like, wow, this is such a, such a very similar style of play. So I'm excited for the bears and I hope the Packers continue to lose eventually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, um, the only thing I, I, I want to see is January 1st when the Bears play the Lions. I want to see Equinemius St. Brown next to Amon St. Brown with a jersey swap, and that would really make my New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> How sweet. How sweet. How sweet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was pretty excited when I saw that 54-yard run that Justin Fields has going like basically just splitting the Packers defense. It's yeah. amazing how fast that guy is. I was surprised that the Bears didn't hold on to win this game, but you know, I think that Justin Fields is still kind of a little bit hurt. That I think that the Packers are kind of feeling like they have some momentum after this game. Looking ahead to a, a wounded Rams team this week, maybe thinking they can string a few games together in a row. But I think the Packers season's done. Um I don't see them winning more than like two games for the rest of the season. And yeah, the Bears are officially eliminated, but I think the future looks bright for them. In a game of Jaguars and Lions, the Lions are the ones who finally have a great offensive game. And the defense played well. Wreck it. Trevor Lawrence gets hurt at one point, has a knee injury, goes crushable ahead. But um, it just stinks that uh, this is what the Lions could have been. It could have been this way, even with the weak uh, players on defense, with the exception of the number one draft, um, number two draft pick. Um, you know, Desmond, you mentioned that the Lions are technically in the hunt, but you also yeah. think that they're not. Do you 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 agree though that they that it might be a lot to ask for them to try to get that um, seventh seed? You know, the Lions are just too inconsistent. That's really what my problem is here. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have the talent. I think if there was any team that could push up and move past the Commanders and past the Giants to steal that seventh spot, it would be them. They'd be the only team who is underneath the Giants who I think could pop up above them and take that spot. But I just can't trust them. No, I mean, like, but on one hand, to give them props, they are four and one in their last five games. Yes. So that's that's pretty incredible. Also, they're scoring 26 points per game, which is sixth in the NFL right now. Just for context, that puts them just two points per game below the Eagles right now, who are the second best team in the league as far as points per game. So they are scoring at a really high clip. Jared Goff's throwing for over 300 yards. St. Brown can't be covered. They have three great running backs on mostly any given day, but their defense looked good yesterday against the or Sunday against the Jaguars, but I just do not trust them week in and week out to win these big games. They have games against the Vikings, against the Jets, the Bears and the Packers. I just I don't trust them to win four or five of those games. I just really don't. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you a lot. Uh it's uh it's all a tall test. But you know, a guy like Dan Campbell can get it done. Like they can win the last three against the Packers, the Bears, and um I forget who else. What's the third Panthers. game they play? And the Panthers. Like it's when it's doable. It's definitely doable. Um it's hard. You know, you need help to get they need they need a win and have help for the playoffs, obviously. But uh yeah, the offense is electric. I mentioned it in the group chat today. We really have to stop shitting on Jared Goff because he is a capable starter and a good quarterback in the league and he gets it done. Um, like I sent you guys his stats from earlier. He's 10th in touchdowns. He only has seven interceptions. It's over two to one ratio. It's almost at three to one. Uh, he's fixing QBR and seventh in passing. So like 
you know, this guy has proven, I, uh, to be honest with you, I think in a few years, you might look back um, to the Rams and go, was the Matt Stafford trade really, really the best thing they could have done? Or was it really worthwhile? Because right now he's playing similar stats as Matt Stafford right now. And Matt Stafford's hurt too. So, you know, my contrary to that, because it's so, so, so difficult to win a championship in major league sports, especially the NFL, I will say in this case that I think that trade was worth it. And clearly they are paying for it after the fact, but you're not wrong with um, his production with Jared Goff. He clearly could start, should start next year, stay healthy. And um, especially if the Lions have a good draft, um, especially defensively to hold people together and keep games safe and also playing well enough to have Dan Campbell keep his job at least as all pluses for uh, Detroit and Jared Goff moving forward. I'm sure that's the-, the key though. My bad. Yeah. One, one more last thing. That's the key though. If they get to keep the quarterback, they don't need to waste a first round pick on a, on a product on, you know, someone to build around. Mm-hmm. They could get it because they're going to be in the, the probably, you know, the teens between like 13 and like, you know, 20 for a draft pick just the way they're you know they'll probably win a few games they'll be close they'll be like probably around like 475 as a win percentage that gets you in the mid to like late teens in this in this league that's prime you know micah parsons nicobe dean linebacker territory where they can solidify that second level so that's where i see the big win from this season for them yeah i mean you, you took the words out of my mouth i think the next you know target for um for, for them to work on and improve is the secondary um, for that defense. And I think that they're at a team that's like maybe a step or two away from the next level. But in order to do that, you don't want to be wasting draft capital hitting and missing. So I think they could probably package some um, second, third, fourth round picks, try to get some guys to solidify that are veterans in this league that can help them win, take them to the next level, especially because the NFC – uh, North is wide open. I mean, like, you know, you guys said, it, it, Minnesota is, is to some degree a paper tiger, and we don't know what um, what their plan is. Um, this could be a one-year thing where they're winning a lot of close games, but it's wide open. Detroit could easily take this division next year. Wouldn't that be a nice story, especially for Dan Campbell? So talking about your Eagles, scoring 35 points. They route Tennessee. Straight up embarrass him. A.J. Brown, you know, going right. against his old te- team, stepped up. 11-1 and one Eagles. Give me just how you feel right now about your team, Desmond. They just keep winning. They keep scoring. They keep um, – they're holding um, offenses to um, – they're holding offenses down for now. And um, when you are able to uh, prevent Derrick Henry from having a big game, I mean, how can you not be more excited for a team that's been criticized for their run defense? How how about them Eagles going into a big divisional game? Yeah, I mean, my two biggest issues, I think, all season with the Eagles have been, can they maintain, I guess, uh, an effective passing attack? Because that's the one issue that Jalen Hurts had coming into the year. And then recently, would the run defense step up after they got gashed a few weeks in a row? Uh, Held Derrick Henry to 30 yards rushing yesterday. Uh, Basically, I think our... 
our um, corners and our safeties were able to like kind of like get into the backfield and kind of like help and like run support, which is something that I really haven't seen them do that much this year. So that was good to see. But, you know, I think all things considered, I feel finally comfortable saying that the Eagles are one of the best teams in the NFL. I think I was having a little bit of a question marks about that for a little while there. I was going to lay in a wait and see approach right now, but I feel pretty comfortable saying that the Eagles and the Cowboys and the 49ers are the best teams in the NFC and everyone else is way below them. And I like our chances to get the one seed. Even if we find a way to lose to Dallas on Christmas Eve, I still think that we're in a great position to take the one seed. And I think that the playoffs will go through Philly this year. And Nick Sirianni is such a great coach and knows how to pump those players up. Yeah, I don't see any weakness with this team. I've kind of been a broken record the past three, four weeks on this. Um, and I think, you know, having this favorable spe- schedule, Giants, Chicago, um, probably just Dallas is the one on, you know, Christmas Eve that everybody's got circled. But, um, you know, I don't I don't see any anything slowing this team down, and I fully expect them to get the one seed. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Kudos to A.J. Brown for getting his former GM fired of how killer of a game I saw he that. He got fired That's today. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Imagine playing so well, they have to fire the guy that traded you away. That's nuts. Um, but Tennessee's in trouble right now, for sure. Derrick Henry's in a slump. His O-line is in a slump. And they don't have capable wide receivers to get the job done with Tannehill, who is a average passer, but he's just getting no help at that receiving core, no separation. So I think that uh, Tennessee Titans, if they don't pick up this run game, are in severe trouble. Titans have to rebuild. I, I really think they do. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs this year, but they only have one win this year against a team with a winning record. So, I mean, they're going to win that weak AFC South division, but it's time for them to move on from Tannehill. He's not good enough to bring this team to the next level. And I feel like if they don't address that immediately, they're going to waste the few years that Derrick Henry has left of being dominant. And, you know, the thing with, with the Titans, too, that I, I want to eat crow on this a little bit, too, and just kind of face up to it. I was kind of bragging about Tennessee's front four for the past three weeks. I think they really got exposed in this game. Um, they had an inability to stop A.J. Brown nor the run game. And um, I got I got to take that out. So I think that, you know, everything you guys said is a fair assessment on Tennessee, and it's time to uh, ditch Tannehill. And on the one thing I would say, keep Vrabel in there because he is a good coach. Besides that, it's a time to that. that uh, yeah, definitely. I think he needs an offensive coordinator. He needs an offensive coordinator, and they have to actually draft offensive players. You know, they're missing offensive linemen. They're missing, you know, they're missing AJ Brown. You know, when Derrick Henry has a bad game, they don't have a true backup running back like they had Deontay Foreman, who could come in and you know spark stuff. So it's like you know, you can't rely on a guy like Dontrell Hillard who's a third down back to you know get ten carries a game if Henry's in a slump. Well, isn't that a referendum on on the GM Robinson because he let LaFleur and Arthur Smith walk and they were both consecutive OCs, right? Yeah, sure. but at the same time, like you can't hold those guys like down like Dan, like like for Dallas, Dan Quinn's leaving this year. There's no doubt in my mind. So it's either they can make him the head coach or he's gone. Is Jalen Hurts your MVP in the NFC? <laughs> well, MVP's a an NFL, I guess, uh award not a not a and not a conference award mm-hmm. but uh um, oh yeah wait, wait i don't know sorry I, I had a brain fart on that one but yes <laughs> is he the mvp this season he's in my top three 
He's definitely in my top three. I, I think the only reason that I don't have him above uh, Josh Allen in my mind right now is because I do feel like the Eagles would still be a good team without Jalen Hurts. And I think that the Bills would not be a good team without Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got uh, I, the two names I got to give love before we move on is I got to put Burrow in there because of the second half comeback that they've started to mount. But I also got to give a little love to Nick Bosa. Um, he never gets enough praise out there on the West Coast, and I think that that front four is might be the best. It's scary. Absolutely. Yeah. You know um, who's not scary right now is the Ravens, just winning by a point. <laughs> Lamar Jackson has a knee injury. He's out in a few weeks. But um, as I talked about, the Ravens having a hard time closing games out, and you lose somebody who was at one point a very, very early MVP candidate, and, um, you know, you can't win that now. You can't win simply that way. I think um, the Ravens, as I, I'll continue this point, being lame ducks out there, they might be able to still sneak in the playoffs, but, you know, having Lamar Jackson out is going to make it a lot harder. And um, for the se- it's just the second straight year in a row, Ravens, major- Ravens having major offensive injuries um, while the Broncos are just hilarious. They can't take advantage of a wounded Ravens team. And they don't score a touchdown. Russell Wilson, um, it must be really difficult for him to go into that facility every week in Nathaniel Hackett. And, um, yeah, I think the Ravens are phonies. They're real, real big phonies. And... Um, yeah, just a lot to take from this one. What what did you else did you guys take out of this game uh, from both of these franchises? Couldn't agree with you more. I don't think that the Denver Broncos should be allowed to play football anymore. Like I can't <laughs> watch. I cannot watch this team. You know, it's sad too. Russell Wilson technically had a good game, going seventeen of twenty two for one hundred and eighty nine passing yards, but like he has like nine touchdowns on the season to eight interceptions. Like. I don't even like, I don't even comprehend that. Like the talent on this team, Brett Ripon, their backup plays better in this system than Russell Wilson right now. And I'm a firm believer they would have more wins with their backup quarterback than Russell Wilson right now. He wasn't so bad last season. It's nuts. I'm like, actually like, I can't even comprehend it. Like I feel bad. I feel bad for this defense. I feel bad for these receivers. It's like you only allowed so many years in the NFL. It's like a wasted year. They're just getting beat up. Like basically they became boxers and they're just getting hit in the head at all times. Thank you, Russell Wilson. And when it comes to the Ravens, hot take right here. You could put it up on any social media. They will be a better passing team with Tyler Huntley than Lamar Jackson. And it's time to blow up this team after the season because – they just can't get it together with these kind of people all in one group. They have no mesh, this Ravens team, no mesh anymore. I think getting rid of um, their core, I don't even, I know what to say. I'm is it time to get admin. rid of uh, your coaching? This is just John Harbaugh. Now we're hitting 10 years since he won that Super Bowl. Do we uh, have any blame even... for him or? He's okay. I don't think it's the coach. I think it's more like their offensive line is beat up and they don't have a quarterback. So they have an athlete, they okay. don't have a quarterback. And I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. You know, there might be something to the coaching thing, though. Because while John Harbaugh is a great coach, which is why he's one of like the four coaches who's been like retaining his job since well, the mid-2000s or, or prior, prior to that. Right. 
the Ravens have never been an offensive team ever. So under his tenure, being coached since what, 2007, 2008, somewhere in that area when he took over for the Baltimore Ravens, they've never been a good offensive team ever. Like, How are you consistently this bad on offense year in and year out? It's kind of inconceivable. I mean, the couple of years they have been good recently, it was basically because of like large gash plays from Lamar Jackson's running or teams who were so worried about his running that, you know, big passes were able to open up down the field, but he's regressed as a passer. He's not running as much. And the Ravens have made no real kind of like altercations or alterations to their passing attack whatsoever. And so this Ravens offense just hasn't looked that great. I mean, this is, you know, obviously prior to his injury, but now that he's injured, yeah, I mean, the Ravens might fall out of the playoffs right now. And yeah, well, it's it's still funny to throw egg at at uh, at Russell Wilson because again the stat holds up that if you score eighteen points in regulation, the Broncos will be ten and two right now. Ten <laughs> and two, if they just scored eighteen points in regulation, that is so pathetic. It is, well, it is pathetic. Like you Russell could Wilson, accidentally, how you, could you even show up to work after this? You could really? accidentally score eighteen points in the league. You could accidentally score eighteen points. My team is proof of that. Yeah, I mean, that was what I was counting on going into the season because I had a little more faith in, you know, Russell Wilson not being fool's gold. I thought that they would win this division, which is stupid me. I should have never said that. Um, But I think if we're going to put the blame and we're going to assess this offense and its shortcomings, I would probably put 60% on Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, 40% on Lamar because – to Brian's point, and I've been saying this too, he's never adapted beyond being an athlete. He's always relied on his legs, and they've never really critically assessed his development in conjunction with getting that um, extension of a contract. And I think that we gave all the love, you know, the first year after Flacco got benched, um, we gave all the love to the course correction that midseason that Harbaugh and Greg Roman collectively made and putting that team in the right direction. I think they they reeled off like eight wins out of nine or eight out of ten. It was it was unbelievable. And they got a lot of love for that. And they kind of set their chart their path forward with this team and Lamar running the helm. But with, with the good comes the bad. And I think a lot of this blame has to fall back on Greg Roman um in conjunction with Harbaugh to kind of, you know, change things up. I mean, they were banged up last year with 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 the running back injuries, but they have plenty of they have plenty of talent like every other roster in this league in that locker room. And you can do a lot more if you're able to um get creative and 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 just run an just run an offense. I mean these these guys have both been in the league long enough. It's just it's it's inexcusable. Yeah. I, you know, I think the last thing I want to say here is that I just I don't want to like have people run cover for the Ravens being like, oh, well, Lamar went out of this game. That's why their offense was so bad. It's like, well, we also saw another quarterback leave in a game this week and another team's offense did really well. So let's not try to skate kind of like responsibility for this Ravens coaching staff. Yeah. I'll make one last comment though. Especially, you know, Desmond, we were talking about Harbaugh. Like we also then have to look at the Titans with Rabro though, because like they have a bad offense all the time, minus the one athlete dude on their on their, you know, that side of the ball. So maybe Fair. it's that, you know, to win in this league, you really need an offensive minded head coach. That you need to, a dominant offensive guru in your locker room to really succeed because those are the kind of guys that are gonna want big name, flashy, dynamic players when Defensive and special teams coaches like more of a conservative approach to games. 
I think if I had to be a betting man, I would probably have them missing the playoffs down the stretch of this year. And that would then that especially if you start in this week at eight and three, and if you really fall that much, and if you get they did it last a game year. under five hundred, yeah, it'll it'll be a tough year. pill to swallow. And it, like I said, it's literally part two. Major offensive injuries lead to um, missed opportunities, but we'll see how they can afford these next few weeks without Lamar Jackson. Another quarterback that returned this week was Deshaun Watson. Uh, amidst all his allegations against him, he comes back, plays rusty, throws some picks, but um, they still played a team that has only won one game this year, and the Browns pull off the victory. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was a very good team, special teams game, special teams game for Cleveland. They pull off the win, and um, it doesn't seem that most either of these teams are going to be making the playoffs either. And um, it's just going to always be awkward seeing Deshaun Watson out there for the rest of his career. And um, he was technically able to get revenge, but um, we all know the uh, dark cloud above it. But um, that's all I really have to say in here, which it was just a real, if you love special teams, this was your game to watch, but um, not much else to add to it. And um, uh, how about Houston, Kyle Allen? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, Houston's mascot might as well be a tank at this point. We all know what they're doing. Yeah, they're, literally. They're, they're going for that number one pick. And they had three like non-offensive touchdowns scored on them. It was, yeah, it right. was kind of, it was hard to watch. I mean, I, I, my friend was had Cleveland's defense this past week on fantasy. I think they had like 50 points. It was, it was absurd. <laughs> a little layup. Good catch. Yeah. Good catch by them. Feel really bad for Jacoby Brissett. This man deserves his start. I will say that every yes. week until Deshaun Watson retires or you know goes to prison. Um, this man should be a starter. You know, hopefully, maybe he'll go to the Texans and be their starter. You know, next season when they get it as a you know as a gap guy for their number one star quarterback. But uh, yeah, like this game, how don't you score a touchdown on the Texans offensively? Like that's sad. That's sad. Like they're a good passing deep. Their cornerbacks are solid. They're the rookie Stingley. Yeah, Singletary is really good um, for their corners and stuff like that. But like, that's an embarrassment. Like if they, if you, like, I always count special teams touchdowns as luck touchdowns. It's luck. So a pick six is luck. It's in the right, right place at the right time. And you don't have a fast quarterback running you down. So that happens. And, you know, a pump return luck. So basically what you're telling me is you would have then lost this game 14 to 13. Well, luck is the residue of great design. I think that um, um, I think that Houston having the four turnovers was a lot of gimmies for Cleveland, but it's a feather in your guys' cap because um, Deshaun looked rusty. And I think that if you had Brissett in there, in theory, they probably would have won this game um, far and away. I thought that Houston did a great job, all things considered, in the first half containing Chubb and Hunt. I mean, they combined for 136 on the ground, but that's really like not a lot for a team that identifies as a running team. Yeah. Um, and I thought this was a close game till the fourth quarter. So I think if they want to do, if they want to chart in the right direction from day one, they'll re-sign Lovey Smith in the offseason because I think he's got these guys playing really hard despite all their shortcomings with uh, their lack of talent. 
Yeah, and I don't I don't think Watson should get the the rusty excuse either. I mean, we saw guys ever played an NFL game this past week and Purdy up in San Francisco just mm-hmm. torch a playoff defense in Miami. And you got mm-hmm. Watson out here throwing like balls into the ground, getting paid $250 million a year. What were you doing the last two years? Just chilling on the couch? I mean, get it together. Well, the balls were slippery. They had massage oil on them. <laughs> oh, yeah, there, there's the quote of the week. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I definitely want to start talking about uh, Brock Purdy now. So major injury that took place. Jimmy Garoppolo. What was thought to be a um, broken foot. Turns out as this moment, it's not as serious as they think it'll be. They still will be out for several weeks, but they think that Jimmy G, as long as the 49ers can stay in it, that they will be able to um, have him back for January. That is uh, the report at the moment. And um, so at least good to see that. No surgery required. Um, big news for San Francisco there. But um, despite that, after he got hurt, next person steps up. As we know, Mr. Irrelevant, the very last pick of this year's draft, Brock Purdy comes in. It has a hell of a game. And as Desmond pointed out, against a very, very stellar defense, he puts players in the right place at the right time. And um, San Francisco scores 33 points off uh, what people thought was a very intimidating defense. And um, at first, this looks like it was going to be a good game for Miami, but um, San Francisco just kept pushing forward. And uh, Mike McDaniel had some tough play calling issues that he even admitted to, but ultimately they took advantage and uh, San Francisco wins. Plus it helps when uh, Christian McCaffrey has a hell of a game, both running and um, both running on the ground and making catching passes. Good stuff. Now, before we talk more on San Francisco, especially for their future ahead with Miami's game, only scoring 17 points, reckon it is against one of the best defenses in the NFC and um, they're staying healthy and uh, making moves there. Do we feel at all that Miami is significantly derailed or is this just a very tough loss to soak in, but they just have to bounce back next week? Yeah, I want to go first in this one because I was hyping on Miami going into this game. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I want to say is it felt like to down the end, like uh, Shanahan was able to like outcoach McDaniel because going into the fourth quarter is a game that's 16 to 10. It's a one score game. But the one thing that was consistent throughout the entire game was that the 49ers defensive line was eating the Miami offensive line alive. And Tua was getting pressured and getting hit. And mm-hmm. it felt like they weren't prepared for that, which felt unbelievable that you could come into a game against the 49ers and not understand that you need to get the ball out quickly because their defensive line is basically unblockable. I mean, the Niners have four losses on the year. So other teams have figured this out, but the Dolphins yesterday looked like inept. They kept looking for the big shots down the field and they kept getting pressured, kept getting hit, and there was no real adjustments by them. So this felt like a coaching kind of mistake. And also Tua, he looked a little shook in the moment, looked like he hadn't really seen a defensive line that good this year. So I don't want to lay one bad game on them and say that they're like not still a great team. I still think Tua might be in the MVP discussion, depending on how the rest of the year goes for him. But the 49ers definitely like outclass them down the end there. And Brock Purdy looks great. 
He looks great. He came in, he dominated. The offense didn't even look that different with him out there. Like yeah. I was actually just like, wait, this guy's the backup. He looks great. What are we talking about right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jimmy G, I feel bad for the guy. He's only had one season his entire career where he's actually played all like 16 or 17 games. So him being injured really isn't anything new. But um, I really don't think that the 49ers need to worry. I think they look just fine without him. So, yeah, yeah, Alex, go first. Oh, okay. Well, I had, yeah, I had plenty to say here. So you might want to go first. <laughs> um, all I'll say is, uh, you know, for Miami, it's a wake up call. You know, definitely, you know, offensive line is their weak point um, throughout the last few seasons. Um, we should know that when they have Eric Flowers at one point being a starting guard for them, I think, uh, last season. I think maybe even still this season. Um, but the defense got manhandled on, on the Dolphins by Mr. Irrelevant. And what I want to say is that Brock Purdy at Iowa State had a 69% completion percentage. Jimmy Garoppolo is a high completion percentage kind of quarterback. Trey Lance, similar style. This 49ers offense is all about efficiency and listening to Kyle Shanahan. You listen mm-hmm. to what he calls and you throw to where he says throw and you guys go to a 750 win percentage record and go to the Super Bowl. That's how this offense is. It's very, if we same thing that happened in Atlanta, Matt Ryan, see ball, see player, throw ball, reception, Julio Jones, touchdown, Roddy White. That's what happens. Um, this game, I, I, I see no loss um, in Garoppolo with Purdy. Um, all I feel bad for is Garoppolo is that he probably just lost an extra year on a future contract, like $15 million, because he's made of glass and it sucks. Um, but then when it comes also like to Tua, I really don't think he – technically, Purdy and Garoppolo got hit more than Tua and Thompson. So in my opinion – you know, Tua really shouldn't have gotten shooken up. I think it just comes down to the fact that he's short. He can't see over the offensive line when there's pressure against him. So, uh, you know, that happens. And second, he's going to have bad games, and he's been on such a very good stretch lately. It's just it happened in this game, unfortunately. So I don't, I'm not worried about them, but at least this is a good growing point for the fact that the head coach owned up to saying, my bad. This was my bad game. Chua said that as well. So they're all doing some self-realization, and I think this is going to be a very good teaching tool for them. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to echo and you know belay too many of the points you just made because I think that was spot on. Um, I think Miami. This I'm not going to overreact. I think they're the second best team in the AFC East still. Still got them going to the playoffs. I thought this was definitely. Um, a checkpoint, like a marker to see how good they really are on that hierarchy in the AFC. Um, I was definitely kind of proven right in that um, from what I expected of this game. I thought that San Francisco's front four would dominate and the offense would kind of ride the wave downstream. Uh, I thought that Shanahan basically just manhandled McDaniel on his way home uh, in this game. I thought that um, this was just kind of like a dominant performance from Shanahan. You could see how it played out in time of possession. They literally doubled them 40 to 20. Um, you know, being the offensive guru that he is, they had a total um, domination on the ground game with McCaffrey and Ayuk and, and, and Debo. Um, I thought that the other thing too, was that both these team, these defenses were outstanding. Um, it was, I think it was like something like seven or eight uh, 
combined sacks between both teams. I think just all the way across the board, I thought it was just like an explosive game. Um, but yeah, uh, like Desmond said, you know, this is a this is an offense that's tailor made for um, Purdy. As long as you have, um, you know, a system set up where you can have a systematic quarterback just kind of step in, play the role, stay out of your own way, and, and operate um, the offense as called. I think that this team can still win. Um, the reason I wanted to go last on this on this topic was because I know that we had an open debate out about Seattle and San Fran going down the wire with this division. I would still say that I would give the edge, the nod to San Francisco, but I would be I would be remiss. I'd be lying if I told you that I was not a little concerned just because um, there is a little sense of stability um, and solidarity with Garoppolo running the helm, even if he's not doing nothing that's jumping off the page. There just seems to be juju with him that um, allows Shanahan to thrive because for some reason he has a hard time winning in this league without Garoppolo. It's inexplicable. It's, it's black cat running across while you're under a ladder. It makes no sense. Um, but there is something to that. I will give it its due. And I think that down the stretch, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out with um, with the standings with the NFC, with the NFC West. And I, I do want to um, shout out Nick Bosa again, because I just checked 14 and a half sacks on the year already with five weeks to go. That sounds like an MVP to me. Yeah, so we wanna... all agree here that Purdy is the one to stay. That's the one thing I get. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think they replace him with anybody else. I, I wanted to give the stat to what Alex was just referring to, though. Uh, with Jimmy G, the 49ers have been 42 and 19, and without him, they've been 9 and 29. That's, that's a pretty, and just that's a half a pretty away, large sample size. And just <laughs> half a quarter away from winning a Super Bowl with him. Yep. One one overthrow, one overthrow to Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. Which is not, it really isn't even his fault because he got hit. It was pressure, but like, wow. Wow, that's, I mean, that's, how many teams haven't been to two like NFC or AFC championship games in the last like 20 years? He's been to two in the last five. I mean, yeah, you got to give him respect. The only other person you could say that is Mark Sanchez, but <laughs> it's a weird situation. Um, and Tom Brady, but um, yeah, that but bottom line, you make the most important point that he's staying consistent and he just wins. Sometimes you just need someone who can freaking win, and that's how you one know. comment. One comment. Um, it actually might be a benefit that Garoppolo got hurt because he was gone anyway this year, and they're now going to see if they have a viable backup for Trey Lance. So you know what? This might be a blessing in disguise. There's rumors that Brady and Rodgers are thinking about going to San Francisco after this year. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. Oh, man. Well, you know what? <laughs> Fuck Tom Brady. Let him go <laughs> off into the sunset. Aaron Rodgers, I would... I would like to see it just so then he could go into his uh, documentary ESPN 30 for 30 and go, I was so pissed off that you guys didn't draft me that I beat you consistently my entire career and then joined you just to stick it. <laughs> I'm just happy he cut that awful chemo haircut. Bad. Very bad. Well, the Seahawks played the Rams this week. Here's the thing there. It was another close game and, and, a, and a team that is very, very, very much in shambles. But we obviously know the big news that took place at the time of this recording, that Baker Mayfield was claimed off of waivers, and it looks like he's going to start right away for Los Angeles. Um, to be fair, to make it a point, the 49ers did claim him, but, uh, you know, L.A. is clearly 
on top of the waiver wire and uh, they get him. So with this, first talking about the Rams and Baker Mayfield, because it's a quick point. Uh, does Baker do anything in the next five weeks to have him stay as a starting uh, quarterback in Los Angeles? Can Sean McVay uh, see what he got and get some wins out of this guy who um, is clearly only known for his commercials at this moment? <laughs> If anyone could fix him, it's Sean McVay. It's the truth. Um, I don't even think he's going to make it out of practice, though, because I think Aaron Donald might kill him in between in between reps, just how, how aggravating he is as a person. Um, <laughs> but if he does make it to game day, um, I think he's an upgrade over anyone on the, any quarterback on this team right now. Um, you know, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe he'll do something crazy. I haven't looked at his schedule, though, yet, so... Uh, Raiders, Packers, Broncos, Chargers, Seahawks. So, like, it's not like it, it, they could win games. He could win games. It's possible. He might be able to get a little bit of a run. So, uh, I wish him nothing but the best, but also I wish him the worst. You know, <laughs> real, real quick before we move off this, um, LA is unfortunate to have, you know, fault lines running through it. So, they have like earthquakes and fires and a lot of homeless and like political corruption. But now you give them Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Like this is the mm-hmm. most evil thing you could do to an organization, and I think, <laughs> and I think uh, the last thing too is if he's ready to suit up for Thursday and he beats our team, then I'm never watching football again. But that's it. <laughs> I'm not expecting anything from this. I mean, <laughs> you put any quarterback behind that depleted offensive line, no running backs, no receivers. I mean, their whole offense is just like a shell. I mean, there's probably college offenses that are better than the Rams offense right now. Uh, So I'm not personally expecting anything from this. Uh, I think that Baker has a chance to at least play himself into maybe another job next year, but that's that's all this is for him, like an audition to prove that he still has a career. You can hold the clipboard. All right. Yeah, agreed. Uh, one comment. Shout out to the one player on the Rams right now actually like trying to play because he wants a job next season. The wide receiver from Louisville, 2-2 Atwell, constantly making deep catches throughout the games, has made a touchdown here and there. Good for him trying to make his money. Respect to 2-2 on this one. I saw and Bobby Wagner showed, showed some uh, name in the emotion too. 2-2. For you, Nessie classified people out there. Um, and as for the Seahawks, though, and despite Kenneth Walker having another underwhelming game, we did have Geno Smith play well. But are we concerned about the uh, defense letting letting the uh, this LA team without uh, Baker Mayfield at the time score twenty three points on them, especially with um? they've gone forward, you know, they're not getting as much love as they did a few weeks ago. They are getting the wins, but um, I feel like the momentum has dwindled a little for Seattle. I see Seattle going out of the, going out of the first round. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You want to go first, Brian? No, I was going to say is I think they lost the pop in the run game. Kenneth Walker's in a low right now. And I think it's really hampering the offense, you know, Lock and Metcalf are always going to go off for 180, 80 to 100 yards each game, but they're lacking in the run, and that's causing them to not be able to game manage. I, I see the weakness in this team just being their ineffective defense. You know, because when I look at the offense, for instance, like 
the top five offenses in the NFL right now are Kansas City at one, Philadelphia at two, Dallas three, Buffalo four, and Seattle's fifth. Seattle's fifth. So, I mean, the offense is putting up points, guys. I mean, they're scoring like 27 points per game right now. And I, I say this again and again, but like if you tell me that your offense is scoring that many points per game and you're still kind of shaky or you're losing some games, then you got to overhaul that defense. That defense is going to be the reason why they probably get bounced in the first round. I still believe they find a way to win this division. But if they do, their reward is going to be San Francisco in their house in the first round. And I think that's a first round out. Yeah, that's tough. It's tough to bounce back from, especially when you have to play a team three times in one year, because that never go that never bears well for anybody. Um, yeah, I just want to echo everything you guys said. I think that the weakest link of this team that's going to hold them back is going to be the defense. Um, I was actually really impressed with Geno Smith, especially in the two minute drill in the fourth quarter. Um, I thought he was. Um, I thought he was he was stellar. He was uh, he was perfect, spot on. Um, I think that you know the shortcomings of Kenneth Walker. You're going to get that. You're going to have like an imbalance with the run game, but I think he'll bounce back the following week. And it'll be interesting to see going down the down the wire where um, where this goes with the division. So we'll see. Can we finally say that Geno Smith is legit, or we need one more season of this productivity? One more season of the productivity. Yeah, I need more. I I don't. I, I think once you get to once you get to this far into a season, the NFL has great defensive minds all over the place and they have plenty of tape on you. And if they haven't been able to expose you at this point, then that means you got something going for you. I agree. I think he started this process when Wilson got hurt last year, and I think he's finally coming to his own. I think he can be legit, but I just need more than one season or at least three quarters of a season because he's got a tr- he's got a track team of receivers and he's got a solid O line now that they've started to patch things up. Um, yeah. I just need one more year. Got to see him in the playoffs. Yeah, I yep. need to see if he can win yep. at least a, get a playoff win. Then um, or an appearance. It, yeah, that'd be something to really admire. You want to know one of the coolest facts I know about? And uh, we all are we all are about to learn. I'm sure you know already, but Joe Burrow is three and zero against Patrick Mahomes. This guy can't yeah. beat him so far. How about this game? Twenty seven twenty four for Joe Cool and his squad with the returning returning Jamar Chase. Um, Mixing is Alba Perrine has another stellar game. The defense was able to really hold Mahomes down. 12 sacks. 12 sacks. How about that? A very, very good game. And um, like I said, Cincinnati is definitely the hottest team in the NFL right now. And things seem to um, be uh, moving in the right direction. Again, you might still have some offensive line problems. You know, Joe Burrow did get sacked seven times, so it was quite a game for pass rushers. But all in all, uh, you should be you should have a lot of momentum and should be though uh though Kansas City might be a top offense, I think um they're gonna have their work cut out for them. And especially seeding wise and trying to win as many games so you can secure that home field advantage, it clearly makes a difference and it made a difference in this game with Cincy being at home against the Chiefs. So how about this game, guys? I think this was definitely the game of the week. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought, um, you know, we, we kind of alluded back to, you know, the hierarchy with the AFC. I, right now I have Cincinnati atop the AFC despite 
the four losses because I think they're surging and they don't have any speed bumps in their future. Um, I thought the Bengals 10-0 response in the fourth quarter was just absolutely clutch. I thought Burrow played close to a perfect game. Um, I thought one of the big turning points, well, there was two that would have um, just reinforced why I think Cincinnati is more dominant they're given cre- than they're given credit for is with the Kelsey strip sack um, was a huge fumble and a big turnover in this game that kind of changed the direction of um, uh, the second half. But I think also the T Higgins drop walk and touchdown would have even made it a two score game. Um, looking back at the final score in the box, in the, in the, in the box score, I thought that um, P Ryan, you know, helping carry the load, you know, definitely was able to balance that offense for Zach Taylor. But I think that um, Joe cool in this offense, they're exceptional seven of 11 on third down. Um, the only real weakness was they had a little, they were a little heavy on penalties, but um, you're going to get that with two high flying offenses because there's going to be a lot of holds on that front line. So I thought moving forward that this is the best team in the AFC and I'm going to stand by that. I agree with you hundred percent. And I think that their record really doesn't, you know, eight and four, this team really should be 11 and one. If you really think about it, because they lost 23 to 20 to the Steelers in a fluke Mitch Trubisky game. They lost to Cooper Rush 20 to 17, and then the Ravens 19 to 17. They only got blown out by the Browns 32 to 13. So, like, this team easily can only have one loss. Um, I think they're the clear favorite um, with um, to be the best team in this um, conference. Um, will they get the number one seed? I don't know, just because of, you know, you know, just way of scheduling in those losses. But I think this is the team to be afraid of. Definitely no Super Bowl hangover. No, definitely no Super Bowl hangover. And I just want to, uh, I think, correct one thing there. I think you said that they had seven sacks. I think you, I saw the stat you were looking at. I think that's one sack for minus seven yards. Uh, but yeah, Joe Burrow only got sacked one time, which is the main like weakness that this Bengals team has had all year was the offensive line. They've been keeping him clean recently. He had 27 different dropbacks in this game where he saw no pressure whatsoever, which is one of the main differences, I think, between these top three teams, between like the the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs. The Chiefs have no defensive line pressure. I mean, they're supposed to have, you know, I know that uh, I'm forgetting what the guy's name right now is uh, one of their defensive line players who's who's pretty good. Chris Jones. Yes. Chris Jones, Frank Thank you. Chris yeah. Jones, yeah, just not having a great season. We're not able to get really any pressure on Burrow. He's the most accurate quarterback in the league when he gets at least two seconds or more to actually stand back there and throw. And the guy is just super poised. That's the one thing I think he has over Josh Allen. Like in the big moments, Josh Allen gets a little shaky. In the big moments, like Joe Burrow seems to be just even. He makes great decisions all the time. Unlike Patrick Mahomes, who's always like looking down the field for the big shots. Burrow will take the small underneath throws. He'll just like dink and dime you all the way down the field, or he'll take the big shots. He's a smart quarterback. He's always ever just been one offensive line away from being like the best quarterback in the league, I think. I don't know if I trust the Bengals defense as a whole, which is why I don't have them as the clear number one. I put them below the Bills still, but we'll get to play each other in a couple of weeks. So we'll get to have that conversation right, I guess, like open in the air once those two face each other. But big win for the for the Bengals, the Chiefs need to be worried about their playoff hopes right now. I think when I think of defenses, um, when you're average defenses, but you could pretend to be great as two things, sacks and clutch interceptions. And this defense is known for the clutch interceptions by like Von Bell and Jesse Bates and the ability to get to the quarterback with Sam Hubbard and 
Trey Hendrickson. So I think that they have enough pieces on that defense to make up for their li- the, the limitations. Um, and with Kansas City, as we say all, all year round, it's their defense. That was that will always hold them back because of the amount of money they have on offense. So it's really, you know, this is what you get for paying everyone on your offense. Yeah. And I think, I, I also, think, oh, oh, go, go ahead, Alan. No, no. Okay, yeah. So the one thing I also want to say, though, is I don't want to make it seem like the Bengals are like this tier above the Chiefs because while they've beaten the Chiefs three times in a row, all within the last year, every single one of those games was a three-point victory. All three of them. So 27-24, 27-24, So it's not like the Bengals are blowing out the Chiefs. These are competitive games where it seems like the Bengals are able to make one or two more plays. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think like a lot of that has to do with coaching. I think that um, Zach Taylor is kind of like the perfect like spirit animal to kind of keep Joe Burrow in line. He's like kind of he's almost like the hands off coach that kind of just uh, doesn't get over his skis too much. I think my biggest my biggest problem with Kansas City is they get a little too fat and happy, particularly on the offense. Um, Andy Reid puts um, Mahomes and vice versa um, in too many um, you know too many just inconceivable instances particularly with the play call and i don't know how much that is uh, on the enemy's uh, doorstep as well but i think that spagnola not being able to send five as frequently as i would have expected um allowed that pocket to stay um nice and fresh for burrow to have time and deliver passes all night i thought he looked incredibly um he um he looked un- incredibly calm throughout most of the night and i was kind of disappointed you know particularly when this was the game on the calendar last year that they should have looked back to the tape at because they were in a lot of similar situations down in the end zone, um, in, in the red zone, excuse me. Um, so I think this was um, definitely a blown loss for Spagnuolo and that defense as well. And, you know, some of that is money, but some of it is just, is just preparation and play call because there, I can recall plenty of games this year um, where the defense looked pretty, pretty solid. So we had the Raiders and the Chargers play. Your big three in car, Jacobs and Adams all had stellar games. After Derek Carr throws a pick six to start the uh, game, they were able to shake it off and move forward from there and um, making it harder for the Chargers to secure a playoff spot, keeping them now at, at 500 at the moment. Well, Alex, I'm sure it feels great not being laughed at for the past few weeks. Got some good wins and a big home win after losing to the Colts with an interim coach and an interim coach who has never coached. So um, I'm sure you were dandy seeing the Raiders win. (laughs) And uh, they can still uh, go over 500 if they play well or at least keep it close. How about that? Yeah, I mean, because we have – as far as I know, I'm not looking at the standings right now, but New England and the Chargers were kind of sitting in those wild card spots, and they've definitely taken a step back. And we're now, you know, uh, a game and a half below 500. So there's still a distinct possibility. Um, I thought that, you know, with the team that they have, with whoever's available, I think they they really maximize their offensive talent with Jacobs and De, and Devontae. They just can't cover Devontae. He's he's phenomenal as a as a one guy talent, um, but. I was surprised who showed up today. Chandler Jones finally had three sacks in the first half. I thought he was off the team. He wasn't even showing mm-hmm. up. I, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, who's wearing fifty five? I haven't seen him all year. Um, but 
it was uh it was nice to see him. He also had five tackles and an assist. And I think that um the preparation from Brandon Staley and that and that uh that offense to um to uh, essentially double Max Crosby and take him out of the game allowed for Chandler Jones to get single coverage and some B lines through that Swiss cheese offensive line that they have for, uh, to protect Herbert. So I think that he was kind of feasting all first half until they kind of course corrected. But um, you know, we all know how this charge team is. They're immensely talented. I mean, like Ter- Herbert's phenomenally talented. Let me clarify that. Um, but they have a ton of injuries and they have a lot of a lot of issues right now. Yeah, I got two quick takes on this one. Trying just to speed through this segment. Uh, one, I think I kept hope alive for the Raiders, even when the Raiders fan on the panel did not. Um, <laughs> I still think that I think they have an outside chance to make the playoffs. I don't think it's over for them. I know that's kind of crazy with how the season's gone for them. But as we've said before, a lot of the games they lost were just one score games. This team has a lot of talent on it. The schedule's not overbearing for them down the road. I know they have San Francisco on the schedule, but they got that game at home. And I think that's a kind of like a inner or outer conference rivalry game. So I think they got a chance there. I don't think the Raiders done yet. Don't sign them off. Don't say it's over yet. They might still find a way to make that seven seed. Uh, The Chargers are done. Good night, Chargers. Like it's over for them. Season's over. They're not going to the playoffs. <laughs> Agreed 100%. I think it's re- – I continue to say it is time to blow up this Chargers team. And you know what? They have so many – they have quality players on the offense um, at receiver that they could probably get some picks. Like Keenan Allen's old, send him to a contender. Gerald Everett's a quality tight end, send him to a t- contender. Like they could get some picks, be bad for a bit, and build up. Well, I think what's really disappointing about this team is like, what the hell is going on with Austin Eckler? It's almost like he's trying to preserve and shell himself for a new contract, but that's not how you do it because you just look yourself straight in the face. Josh Jacobs is playing for a contract too, and he's playing out of his mind. He's putting his body on the on, you know, on the field every week um, and not, you know, really worrying about tomorrow. And it's like, I know it's a little cliche, but it's like, yeah, I, I think he can learn a lot from them. But I also think that, I want to agree with you that they should have the time to blow up this team, but there's a lot of talent on this offense. And I think that a lot of this has to do with injuries and coaching. I I get injuries, but like there's really not that many people hurt besides the offensive tackle and Rashawn Slater on offense. And they're just inconsistent on offense. And I think it's play calling. And I think that, the, I, I think that, yeah, Austin Eckler is a great fantasy option, but he even said before this season, before he signed his contract, that he will he does not – he wants less carries to preserve his career. So, like, already work. you're in a loser's mindset. So, it basically <laughs> tells me you're capped at 10 carries, and then after that, you know, this other 16 that Josh Jacobs – took to get to a buck 44 and a touchdown and half a bottle of Percocets and painkillers to get there, you know, you don't want to do it, which I understand it. You don't want you, but this is football. You just, you play the game. Imagine what Jim Brown would say. If the coach went up to him and goes, you're only getting 10 carries. I think you know what me, I mean, like it's ridiculous. I just look at, I, I just look at some of these losses for the charge and I just can imagine like what they would have put up if Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were both healthy at the same time and what they would offer him um, for weapons if uh, for, for Herbert. I agree with that as well, but I also want to put blame on Herbert. Like he does have 20 touchdowns to seven interceptions. He's fourth in passing and 13th in QBR, but like from watching the game, he's not playing well. Like these are padded stats. 
these his fourth in passing is because of the Austin Eckler, you know, screens that go for 60 yards. They're the, you know, he's been really key on DeAndre Carter, who's his new deep threat from Washington, who's usually a special teams guy. Josh Palmer is a mid to deep route kind of guy. So I think that his stats are really a byproduct of the talent that you said, Alex, on offense. And he's really not making the crucial throws when when it, when it needs to happen. I don't see the Joe Burrow, the Pat Mahomes in him right now. That's fair. Did you see him? Did you see it last week when um, the Dallas Cowboys just destroyed the Colts um, with Dak Prescott getting three touchdowns and stuff like that? And scoring 33 points in the fourth quarter alone, where all the it seemed all the running backs were stars, and the wide receivers were clicking, and uh, the Colts ran out of gas clearly. But um, you know, we talk about Dallas being good. We know that they are right up there with Philadelphia and stuff like that. The one thing in the major story in this with Dallas is. If Odell Beckham is going there, it seems to be in the Odell Beckham sweepstakes that he is going to choose Dallas if Dallas is interested in him. There was a report that pending a physical that they felt that he was not making progress off his ACL injury, and it likely would be not until next season, the start of the 2023 year, is when you'll actually see him play. Now, having said that, should Dallas sign him anyways for next year? We'll give it to the Cowboys fan to comment. Um, I don't think they should sign him just because I think we're good the way we are. We have our weapons. We have where we know our game. When you put a diva into a locker room, it could end really bad. Um, he could demand targets. He could force Dak to, you know, throw the ball to him because it is OBJ and we could lead to problems and chemistry issues. And I do not want to see that. Um, so I say go to the Giants and be Kenny Galladay part two. And I'm okay with that. Um, like, I don't want to give him three years. Like, he's old and he's, the legs are shot. Why am I going to give him a three-year deal for $30 million when because I could, so you dead. know. What? He had one good catch and he had a quarterback that's a borderline Hall of Famer um, just consistently throw him the ball because he was the only option because Victor Cruz and Sterling Shepard were hurt. So – He's his stats is productivity, and I never really thought he was the guy like this great, great receiver. I think he was in a good system with a quarterback like Matt Ryan. You know, like Eli and Matt Ryan similar. We just throw to Julio, throw to Odell. You know, they're good, they're great. They're not gonna when as they age, they really fall off because their bodies are broken. That's just the way those kind of receivers are. So I don't want them with Dallas with this window. Um, I really was disappointed up until the fourth quarter. I think that's just because the Colts defense ran out of, out of steam and Jeff Saturday was like, I won this game, I'm good. Um, we were not looking good this game until the fourth quarter. Um, these are all padded stats in my opinion. And what what have I what have I said this entire season? What is the biggest flaw of the Dallas Cowboys? Does anyone remember my constant rants? Uh, the passing attack. Passing attack. And the defensive backs. Cornerback two, 
We have no cornerback too. We just lost our cornerback to an Achilles injury and now have mm. a rookie playing cornerback too and a third-year guy that's just on special teams being cornerback three. This is the worst thing that could happen. I'm actually, like, you know, every week I'm like, oh, I'm nervous for Dallas. This is not good. This Right now, in my opinion, that injury alone, we will not win the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, before you get to the Super Bowl, you have to make it to the NFC Championship game, which you haven't made it to since 1995. <laughs> so if we're, oh. pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> The brakes you don't have bit. Nick Foles on your team, so I don't think you're going anywhere as well. So it is what <laughs> it is. Eagles have been at the NFC Championship game six times since the Cowboys have been there. So I mean, you know, ancient history a little bit. You gotta gotta calm down. Were you yeah. even born at that moment? I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> like, were you alive see, for that? Yeah, but see, that's <laughs> why I'm a that's why I'm a humble Cowboy fan, though. I grew up watching Tony Romo give his entire body to a team that had weapons and no defense. Brian, a yeah. humble Cowboys fan is like a unicorn. It doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, I, I want to say this, though. I've been watching the Cowboys. I, I started watching, I think, football consistently, I think, maybe around the time you were born, Brian. Yeah. The entire time that I've been watching football, this is the best Cowboys team I've ever seen. So I fully expect them to, depending on how the matchups play out in the playoffs, because you never know how the seeding's going to work out, but... I, I expect them to be in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles. I really do. And I think it could be the greatest day ever because uh, that'd be the greatest way to defeat the Cowboys, in my personal opinion. But no, the, I think the Cowboys, they have, a, they have a really good team. I know that you're losing your corner, your second cornerback. You lost your nickel earlier in the year. You still have that uh, your best tackle who's coming off injury right now. It sounds like he's coming back this week, though, that he's coming back Possibly, to practice. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if OBJ went to the Cowboys – I think it would be scary because they wouldn't need him to be the number one because you have C.D. Lamb. So I think he gets exposed as a guy with two like two ACL like uh, tears to the same knee. Yeah, you get exposed as a number one option, which is why I think if he goes back to New York, it's going to be bad for him. But going to the Cowboys where you'd be asked to be the number two, it'd probably be the best thing for him. But Yeah, my I only think issue is this two ACL injuries and you have a number one receiver who is an outside receiver and your number two receiver in Gallup is a, is a, is a deep threat. Your wide receiver three needs to be a slot and mm. you can't be a slot with two ACL injuries. We know this. Look at the downfall of Julian Edelman with when he started getting leg injuries and Wes Welker. Once you lose those legs as a slot, Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley was the one of the, it was a second team old pro on the Bills at slot. He hurt his leg in the offseason. He's no longer on any team. You can add Renfro to the list soon. Renfro, like it's slot, like I like OBJ was never a, a slot guy anyway. Like he doesn't fit in this scheme because he's not playing the outside receiver, and you're for damn sure not putting CeeDee Lamb in the slot when he's torching people on the outside. He's yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree with what you're saying here. I just think personally, if you have the chance to put somebody on your team and ask them not to be the number one who still has great hands and is an above average wide receiver, I would take that if I was the Cowboys. But I can understand also after having Terrell Owens on your team back in the day, why you might want to stay away from something like that. Yeah, you know, it didn't well, really end so well there. But yeah, Cowboys kind of a fluky fourth quarter with all those turnovers at the end, but. I don't think this changes anything, in my opinion, about how I feel about the Cowboys. They're they're a top five team in the NFL. Oh no, I still I still think it. I just I'm just I don't see the longevity in this right now. Call up Des. 
<laughs> the, the final game to discuss on Monday night before we look into the week ahead. The Saints and the Bucks going into the fourth quarter of this mundane, grueling, and eye-soaring Monday night football game. In the last five and a half minutes, Tom Brady returns to form, gets two major touchdowns, and uh, completes the comeback. There's even a point at the very end where he had a touchdown taken away from him from Godwin, and uh, they give it to White instead, and uh, they complete the comeback and uh, get another divisional win. There's nothing to talk about with the Saints, not even... um, not even a little bit, but uh, the Bucks and Brady, even if uh, this is going to be it for Tom Brady, if he's leaving Tampa. We talked last week about Todd Bowles' coaching decisions, and it was showcased last night in front of his home crowd. And um, I think the Bucks are good, but I think you'll see them as a first-round loss waiting to happen. I think it really does show that Todd Bowles is a weak coach in this league. And I mean, you get to a point where Tom Brady is just straight up ignoring the play calls he's making, um, like going for uh, fourth instead of punting and stuff like that. It just shows what a uh, respect can you be command um, well, if you're uh, him. I real quick, just for clarification, before we open it up, I thought Byron left, which was calling the plays. But he, he was, was the one who called the, the, the audible the was called. Yeah. Oh, okay. But they ended up punting anyway, actually. Um, okay, so they, so Brady did come off the field, and they did punt after that. But yeah, the, the team is like a notable, a noticeable like backslide uh, with Todd Bowles coming on as coach. Um, kind of hard to know what that's all about, to be honest with you, because on the offensive side, you know, Leftwich was the coach last year. I mean, and he's again the core. Well, he's the coordinator again this year. And so on defense, it. it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why there's such a drop off. I know they've had some injury issues, but even regards to the injuries, it doesn't really make up for the inconsistencies that we're seeing on the offensive side with the Bucks. I know that, you know, I know how Brian feels about Mike Evans. Um, so we can probably rehash that if we need to. But yeah, the Bucks got lucky at the end. I think the Saints Bum. Bum. The, the correct term <laughs> is Mike Bum Evans. <laughs> The Saints started playing this like prefend defense those last two drives and allowed Brady to basically take all these easy underneath throws all the way to the end zone like two times in a row. So I think they gifted the Bucs this game. I don't know. I mean, I, I think the Bucs are going to win this division by default and they shouldn't beat the Cowboys in the first round, but I could not stop laughing if that's what ends up happening because I think that the Cowboys are the number it's one. It's going to happen. They're going to be the you number one against- wild card seed. They're going to have to go to Tampa and I can't wait for this matchup. Because one team that against, I don't like is going to lose. You don't bet against Tom Brady <laughs> ever, ever. It's like you don't bet against Tom Brady. You don't bet against Steph Curry, and you don't bet against Tom Brady against Dallas, like in Tampa. Like he has the number. Like that loss is so embarrassing now as the season goes on. Um, what I really come down to is I like Bowles. I think the defense is injured is hurt. And it's aging as well. It's an older defense. I was looking at it, and all these guys are at or near 30, except like Vita Vea and like, um, is Levante David 30? Levante David's 32. Like, they're old. They're a little slower. Um, There's always, you know, we look at the Saints having a defensive coordinator go into the head coach position. Alex, you mentioned this a few weeks ago. Um, I think it's the same thing with a loss there. Um, I, I, you know, I think... 
the offensive line is broken and you know this is the issues that they have i really don't think it's coaching i just think it's that um it's just poor management it's more of a gm issue it's poor player personnel uh player management um on this team like this they could have been put in a better situation they could have gone like you know what you need with tom brady you should have known after a guy retired and two people left in free agency that you need to get offensive linemen and draft them like this should have been known we should have um we should have like a greatest hits like lines at the end of the season for just for the podcast like you don't bet against you don't bet against blank 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 so it could be like you don't bet against Kirk Cousins at one o'clock on Sunday. You don't bet against Brady. You don't bet against the Cowboys' ego. Like all this cool, all this hilarious stuff. But I think you guys are absolutely right. Like Tampa's just winning off virtue of being in the worst division. I think they have a lot of uh, problems. You know, coaching level, injuries, the whole thing. And one name we haven't mentioned yet is the center Ryan Jensen being out is definitely a big loss. Um, I think that Brady probably sets his sights for uh, San Fran in the offseason if they're willing to have him. But I thought that this game, you could really just boil it down to the 44-yard penalty by um, Adebo at, um, coming down you know, in the, in the two-minute drill. So I thought that this was just shortcomings of a backup quarterback in on the road in a hostile environment. And, um, you know, they'll probably – they may lose the next two games and still get in the playoffs. So uh, we'll see. All right, let's look at the week ahead, guys. Let's start with Thursday yes. night at op- opening at minus six, Vegas taking on the Rams in Los Angeles. Where do we see this going? The Raiders. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with you, Brian. I think the Raiders will continue their winning ways, and uh, it'll be nice to see. But I don't think Baker Mayfield will start. It would be quite a turnaround to get signed on Tuesday and then start on Thursday. So whoever they're deciding to throw out there for Los Angeles, it will not be good enough for um, – it will not be good enough against the Raiders. I love the Raiders at home, and and the Rams have no offense, you know. So definitely give me the Raiders at home. Okay, okay. Well, I can't go against my heart for one week, so I'll, I'll join you. Yeah, I mean, you know how embarrassing it's going to be when the Rams show up and they just look into the stands and all they see is black. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially for a team that used to be in that city. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's more There's more Raiders and Niners fans in all of California than there are Chargers or, or Rams. In the whole world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, the whole world. <laughs> in the whole world, exactly. So we have the Bills and the Jets. The Jets are going up to Orchard Park. In a crucial division game, the seven and five Jets against the nine and three Bills. Buffalo is actually opening at minus nine and a half. Trap. Where do we see this going? Really, you see this as a trap game. You think that Mike White can pull off this upset? I, I think the Jets are good enough to make this. I, I I think the trap is the point spread. I don't think it's okay. going to be a blowout. Um, I think the Bills win a close one. I, I see this as like um. 24-21 type win for the Bills. You know, I really do think the Jets will take a step up with Mike White at quarterback, but you know, you can't count out the fact that the Bills have the two best players on the field at all times when they have Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen out there. Yep. I think this I game, think it's gonna sorry, I'll go first. No, you go. Go, please. 
Oh, okay, ladies first, perfect. Um, so I think I think mm-hmm. uh, Bills get out. I think they get out early. They got the motivation of the home crowd, and I think that this game gets tight in the second half, um, just by virtue of um, you know a, a bitter divisional rivalry. I think that um, Desmond's right. The spread is misleading. I think it'll probably be closer to three than it is nine. I think that the Bills defense is playing a poor man's version of their offense um, in Zach Wilson. Um, Zonovan Knight and that receiving trio that the Jets have. I think that the Bills defense is going to have a hard time with Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, and Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims. I think it's going to be a struggle for them. I think it's going to open up lanes for the run game when they have to pull an extra guy out and play nickel and not stack the box. And I think if I think the Jets have a legit shot at winning. I think this is going to be like a 31-28 game right down to the final two minutes just like it was the last time. Good stuff. Good stuff. The Eagles are going to MetLife Stadium to play the New York football Giants. And with that, they open at minus seven. I am the Giants fan here. My other one's off doing something. And with this, the cold, hard reality is it would be a tough victory. Do I expect them to play a close game? No, I don't. Do I expect them, despite the weakness of the pass rush of the Eagles, I still think uh, Saquon will just have some difficulty. And with this, going to have to give it to Philadelphia. But obviously, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I think the Eagles win here. Um I've been saying, I said this a couple of times this year, I think that the Giants are really similar to Tennessee with how they're constructed. So I expect the Eagles to have a similar, I guess, like defense and offensive like preparation for the Giants that they had last week for the Titans. I think the Eagles are going to win by about 10 here. I'd say it's a 24-14 kind of a game. I agree. The only thing that might keep the game close is if Saquon has, you know, a 70-yard rush with a touchdown, so... We got to always rely on that boom by him. I think the only way the um, Giants can keep it close is if they have kind of, uh, if they enact some kind of special teams play or like a big pick or something. So as long as Philly just keeps it a conservative offense and they stay out of their own way, they should uh, have this game in the bag by the end of the third quarter. In a battle of Ohio, we have Cleveland against Cincinnati. Cleveland is going to Cincy. The spread is minus six even. Where do we see this going? The Bengals are going to continue with their winning ways. And uh, with Deshaun Watson playing a much more legitimate franchise this year, he and the Browns will crumble. I see a blowout. Uh, Cincinnati at home, I would say probably two touchdowns, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with that. Nothing else said. (laughs) You know, it's it's interesting. Some teams have the other team's number. You know, Jacksonville has lost 10 times in a row to the Texans. The Rams have lost nine times in a row to the Rams. Um, I think I said that wrong. Um, yeah, Rams, Rams. Yeah, the Rams have lost nine Beating times in a row to the 49ers. <laughs> uh, that's what I meant to say there. And Joe Burrow has never beaten the, the Browns. Uh, the Browns have won five in a row against the Bengals. And sometimes another team just has another team's number. Browns. Mm, good points. Hey. Now, right here, we have the Texans and the Cowboys in another in-state battle in Houston versus Dallas. And the spread here at home, 
minus 17 points. This is such a blowout. The Dallas Cowboys are playing at 1 p.m. That's how you know. Um, I think this is quite obvious, I, even if that spread is ambitious, but I think Dallas will win easily. I agree. I think they'll win. I think it will be closer than the spread just because of – I always count this as like a divisional round when they play Houston. They always play a close game. Um, if you remember the Deshaun Watson years, you know they were always close games. So I expect it to be – when I say close, just because of how bad the Texans are, like uh, twenty-eight to ten game. Okay, I think Texans cover. I think uh, if we're placing bets, I think Texans cover. Texans lose, but they cover. Uh, you know, the tank will come out at some point during the during the game here. <laughs> oh my! You're gonna roll it out on the fifty. Good <laughs> <laughs> game of Texas hold them. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I don't know. I, I expect this to be a route, but like Brian said, I think they'll probably just they'll probably throw in the towel like like mid third quarter. So it may get a little close, a uh, little closer incrementally, but until the end of the game. But th- this is going to be a stinker. Now, how about this? The Vikings at ten and two are going to Detroit, who who are five and seven. Yet Detroit is actually a favorite in this minus two and a half. Wow. With this interesting spread, where do you see this going? I really want to pick the Lions. I really do. And so I'm going to. I'm picking the Lions because you know oh. what? I'm done with Kirk Cousins. This team is so overrated. The Vikings are overrated. It is about time that they take a few notches down. You know, like they, they don't deserve to be 10 and 2. The Lions are the number six scoring offense in the league. The Vikings defense is atrocious. They let a Jets offense, which no offense to the Jets, not that good. Let them run up and down the field on them. The Detroit has a legit offense. They'll find a way to finally not be the Lions and find a way to lose. They're going to find a way to win this game. They beat the Vikings this week. I'm actually going to join your camp on that one, especially with the momentum Detroit has had lately. And if they can't keep it close, and if uh, the Vikings are having a hard time containing some certain offenses like the Jets, like Dallas, um, for instance, when you play another legit offense like Detroit, that will speak volumes. My um, my heart says go with the Lions because they're a great story right now and they're winning. They're 4-1 like Desmond said earlier, but we already went over this. You don't bet against Kirk Cousins at 1 o'clock. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. They're going to win by a field goal and a tough one. Okay. So Tennessee and Jacksonville. Jacksonville's going to Tennessee. Tennessee's opening at minus three and a half in Nashville. I say that the Titans are going to get back to some winning ways, and it's going to be a close one, though. As we've mentioned, Jacksonville has a hard time closing games. We don't know Trevor Lawrence's status going into this week. I think that plays a factor. And um, slow games from the running game for Jacksonville, I think, um, should be discussed and noticed as well. So with that, let's go with Tennessee winning and covering. I'm taking the Jaguars. I think that the Titans are on a slide, and I think it's caught up. I think that the Titans um, have a possibility of not making the playoffs or winning their division. I think that I think 
that Jacksonville could pull something out right now if they beat. I think Jacksonville could beat the Titans twice. They have, they have the Titans twice on their schedule. I think the offense is too good um, for this for this uh, Titans defense that it's not played well of recent. Um, you know, they play the Jets and Texans. It's a hard game, but it's doable. I, I you know, I, th- I think they have a shot. I think they have a shot. I agree. I was actually, I was on the same thought process that you're on. I think that Titans are going to have a letdown this week. I think they probably think they, they're going to win this division. So I think they walk into this game kind of, you know, just expecting to beat the Jags. And I think the Jags are going to, are going to catch them off guard and the Jags are playing with house money. And the Titans got exposed this past week. And I think, you know, with the NFL being a copycat league, Jaguars are going to take that Eagles tape and they're going to see how they shut down Derrick Henry. Jags. So I'll take the contrarian position again. And I will say that Tennessee comes home and wins an unwatchable, stinker, nasty game, 13-10. Baltimore is going to the Steel City with the Ravens against the Steelers. Steelers are actually opening at minus two and a half. Probably know why with the Lamar Jackson injury. With that spread, are they going to win this game or lose? So I might surprise you guys with this pick because um, we were talking shit about uh, Baltimore earlier, but I actually have Baltimore winning, running away in this game. I think that right now they're looking at their fate in their hands right now, and they they, they, they can either – claim it or let it walk away from them. And I think that they're going to just seize the moment and they're going to run it down their throats. And um, they may surprise people this week. I got, I got them in a route. I had the exact opposite. Their... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing. This is the most important game for the Baltimore Ravens yep. this season right here. This is what it all comes down to. This is everyone. Both these teams are zero, zero. And this is this is where it is. This is the time to see. I think it's going to come down to can um, Huntley play better than Pickett, and I think he can, um, but I don't think it's going to be enough. Oh, so that's the Steelers pick. I think the Steelers win, but I think that oh. Huntley has a great. I think the Steelers win, but I think that the Huntley has a great game and proves that he oh. will be the future quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. No. So like a, almost like a Heineke situation for Washington. <laughs> you know, I do think that the Steelers have a good defense and Huntley against a good Broncos defense last week struggled. Lamar's not going to be out there. The Ravens offense isn't that good anyway. Steelers aren't a great team, but these are always tough games. Steelers are at home. I like the Steelers by 10. Wow. Sweet. Got a mix here. Got a good mix. What do you got, Matt? For Baltimore and Pittsburgh, I think um, Lamar Jackson will be missed. And as I mentioned, with a heart, with a team, with a struggling defense like the Ravens, I think Kenny Pickett can um, take advantage of that and just better utilize his receivers like he had struggles with last week. Um, And he'll do the complete opposite of that. And it'll be a good game for Pittsburgh. Especially, I like them being at home. The Chiefs of the Broncos. Kansas City's going to Denver. Kansas City's opening at minus nine and a half. Can they get a bounce back victory? I mean, obviously, I think there's no question. I even think this team could cover, and we know Kansas City has had a hard time covering in the Patrick Mahomes era. Um, I think they will handle this team pretty easily. Broncos have a great defense. 
I I just there's no other way to say it. So I mean, I don't think that the Chiefs win this game easily, but I think they win because Russell Wilson's incapable of scoring touchdowns. <laughs> and the the Broncos are so anemic that the question isn't if they'll lose, it's how much they're going to lose by every week. But the Broncos defense is good enough to where they keep every game close. So I think that the Broncos cover, but the Chiefs win. Mm. Okay. Do you guys know the meme um Russell Wilson with the Michael Jordan crying eyes? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, but I it makes think, sense. Yes, but <laughs> I legitimately think no, that Russell Wilson might cry this game and quit football. I think he's gonna see what he wants to be in the mirror when he wakes up every morning and says, I'm I could be Pat Mahomes. I'm Pat Mahomes. And he's not gonna be Pat Mahomes. And he's no, gonna he's go Mr. Off Unlimited. Yeah, he's going to cry. He's going to say, Broncos country, let's ride. And then a defensive tackle is going to yell at his face and he's going to go run home to his wife and kids. All right. Brian believing that Russell Wilson will lose his career after this game. Okay. Similar result as Desmond, but um, I think the one that's going to be crying is Sierra. Mm -hmm. They got paid, man. She's happy. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of money. The Bucks are playing the 49ers. Is this a game where Tom Brady will get familiar with that field in Levi Stadium? And will he play there more often? Or is the are, are the 49ers going to show their dominance and Brock Purdy playing a full four-quarter game? Gonna get people excited. What's gonna happen? The spread is minus three and a half. I say that, excuse me, San Fran is going to win this one. And I do think Brady will play a good game, especially him going home, home. And, but I think that um, they're going to pull it off. And like Desmond pointed out, if Brock Purdy could play this well against a stellar Miami defense, now with a full week of practice with the ones, why not take it a step further against a much weaker Tampa Bay defense? No, you're not wrong um, here. Oh, I did it again. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right. It's fine. It's bad timing. It's always me. You go first. <laughs> um, look, let's just be honest here. Tom Brady has been getting the wins that they have been getting. He's been getting bailed out by bad defensive like play calling or just bad defense coupled with teams who have bad offenses. That is not true in San Francisco. They have a great offense. They will expose this Tampa Bay defense who can't stop the run. And the 49ers have Christian McCaffrey and an amazing offensive line. And on the defensive side, last time I checked, Brady's like the least mobile quarterback in the NFL and the 49ers have Nick Bosa. So, I mean, <laughs> it's about to be ugly. You know, I, I think that the, the the point spreads three and a half is a joke. This should be a 10-point margin. I, I think the 49ers win by two touchdowns, at least. Take that. So, Tom Brady is 23-5 and five his entire career against rookie quarterbacks. And I'm going to say that Tom Brady somehow pulls this out. Um, loses his leg in the process in this game, getting killed by Nick Bosa. Um, this might be the worst injury. Like, he's going to be beat up after this game. But miraculously, he's going to find Kate Auden in the corner of the end zone for the catch part of million, um, but the reverse team. And uh, I see them winning in overtime. Oh, okay. That's so hopeful. That's so kind of you. They lost in overtime just a couple weeks ago. Matt, Matt, if you were implying that 
uh, Brady was going to get familiar with Levi Stadium, as in he's going to be on the on the ground the entire game. I totally. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I think this guy's going to be on his back more than he was with Giselle. I think he's like. Oh. He, <laughs> um, I I fully expect a route. Um, I don't even think it'll see overtime. I think that this this uh, the San Francisco team not only has the best front four in the league, arguably, you know, to Philadelphia, but I think that um, they are just like in a cannon on their trajectory to making a deep playoff run. So I think like last week was like that first step. And I don't think it matters who you put in there at quarterback against Brady um, in this particular context, because I think that the ultimate, the more important matchup is Shanahan versus Bowles. And I got Shanahan. Three and one post-divorce. I'll make one comment to this. Um, Their starting defensive tackle for the 49ers is out. Nick Bose is questionable. Their starting safety is out for this game, and the starting offensive lineman is questionable. So they got four key injuries right now. Again, that could really play a factor. Cool, cool, good stuff, guys. We have the Seahawks going up against the Panthers. Panthers are going out to Seattle. Seattle is minus three and a half. Even though the uh, Panthers have quietly not been a laughing stock anymore, Sam Darnold's coming back um, after a bye week. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the Panthers on this one. I think Sam Darnold's gonna have another game. Another good game. I think he's going to overhype people. Um, and I think uh, Kenneth Walker is going to have another bad game. And I think um, this is just going to be a matter of um, who's outplaying who. And I just have a good feeling about Sam Darnold. I don't know what it is. I'm just going to go with that. I could not agree, agree more with you. I think Sam Darnold, I've been told by all my Jets friends, got the raw deal. In sports history, given the keys to a crazy media franchise with maybe the worst coach in the history of the game outside Josh McDaniel and Jeff Fisher. And, mm-hmm. you know, Adam he got ran out. Of, yeah, Adam Gase. Um, and he, they got, he got, you know, he got ruined and he's on his redemption now. They brought in Baker and now he's trying to prove it. And the running game for them is humming and they do have weapons. And I think that Seattle has consistently played well and so is Geno Smith. And they're due for a bad. They're due for a down, a down game when they need a win, and this seems like it. The Panthers are terrible on the road. The Panthers have four wins this season. None of them have been on the road. They've only left the Eastern Time Zone once. Everyone goes up to Seattle and has a bad game against a team who has the fifth best offense in the league. Seattle by two touchdowns, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think you guys are overreading this when I say you guys. I mean, Brian, Matt, I think that Seattle wins by at least two touchdowns. I don't even think it's that close. I have hope. That's it. I just want, I just want to see Sam Darnold actually be a good quarterback. You have I hope. mean, have he needs to leave Carolina. When, we were saying earlier about, like, the Ravens not having a good offense in, like, forever, right? They just have the, they have a culture of bad offense. Have the Panthers ever had a good offense in their entire franchise history other than Cam Newton just being a freak athlete? And Jake Delhomme? That's, that's like a decade, though. That's like a decade. It was like six Cam- years. And then he got he got too injured to continue to function. I don't know. Him, Greg Olson, Smith Jr., you know, we have Ted Ginn, like, 
Curtis Samuel. Ted like, Ginn. I go to no, you, you could you could stop there. I mean, mean pro bowl, on. pro bowler. You could go back to Del Home. They had ridiculous receivers. Like, I they mean, six receivers make the Pro Bowl every year, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah true. Back Evans. <laughs> Dolphins are going to play the Chargers on Sunday nights. Miami opening at minus three. I think Miami's going to take this one, and they're going to put a nail in the coffin for the Chargers season. Agreed. Yeah, I agree as well. I um, I think it's a close game though, like a like a one score game. The Chargers, they they lose these games, but they find a way to keep them close. I, I think it's like a a seven point win for the Dolphins. Oh no, I see a blowout by Miami. I think that this is kind of the similar assessment that I had with um, uh, my prediction with the Ravens. I think that they recognize and know the moment and what's on the line, and I think that Miami like leaves them no room for breathing. I think that they're going to blow them out. This will be a weird one. Monday night, Patriots versus the Cardinals. It seems to be almost a pick them. New England's only opening at minus one. I think um, I, I probably, probably the team I hate the most is the Cardinals right now. I think they should have played so much better this season than where they are at this point. And I just believe that if this was a game that the Patriots can really bounce back and keep their season alive or their hopes alive, this is the Monday night game that they need. I think Bill Belichick will not give any mercy to the Cardinals and he's going to embarrass them in their home field. So no one should care about this game. It's like a waste to watch, um, in my opinion. It's going to be boring. But uh, I think the Pats will win just because they have to win to keep themselves alive. And, you know, I hope J.J. Watt has a good game, as always. It's J.J. Watt, good guy. You know, let him have a few sacks. So, yeah, I think Pats – I think Pats by, I don't know, touchdown. What an ugly game. But, you know, I really think that we should find a way to, like, start flexing some of these Monday night games. I know it's not as simple because you got to maybe if they did it like two weeks in advance, you know, you just look you can look down the stream and be like, oh, that Monday night game's going to suck. Let's get that out of there mm-hmm. because they this 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 sucks. Um, Cardinals, because of the fact that New England's offense can't seem to figure out how to manage itself. And, you know, regardless of all the issues that the Cardinals have, DeAndre Hopkins is like a touchdown by himself. I think the Cardinals find a way to win what should be an ugly game. I think when you give both franchises 10 days plus off, I think that favors Belichick. So somehow, some way, he's going to be able to muster more points than Arizona, but it's going to be unwatchable. How about that? All right, gentlemen. We have another great week of football ahead. May you all have a good weekend, and I'll see you in a week. That's Desmond, Brian, and Alex. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Cheers. Have a good night, everyone. Peace. Take care. Great job, gentlemen, Desmond, Brian, and Alex. Thumbs up. I appreciate the conversation takes and bringing the good vibes. So great stuff, gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Now let's give it to Ramblin' Russ Miller. He's going to give his his picks for week 14 in the NFL. Let's see what he's got. Ramblin' Russ, take it over, my friend. Here we go. 
Good day, everybody, and welcome to Ramblin' Russ's NFL Picks for week number 14 already. Week 14 in the league where they play for pay. And where else should we start out? We're going to actually go Thursday night here. Thursday night, we have Las Vegas traveling to Los Angeles. Not a very far trip for them to go from Vegas to Los Angeles. A short little plane ride. The Raiders right now are playing some really good football. The Rams, on the other hand, are going in the opposite direction this year. Uh, Perhaps there's a Super Bowl hangover with them. Um, But uh, the pick for today... The pick for that game is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders to win by at least a touchdown. I know they're laying six right now. So, again, the Vegas Raiders are is your first pick. We go up to Orchard Park, Buffalo, where the Buffalo Bills host the New York Jets. And I looked at this game, and I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be anywhere from four to six and a half points. But it's not. It's, it's almost ten points. So uh, if you get the Jets plus ten, take the Jets plus the ten points up in Buffalo. Jets plus ten. Pick number two. Pick number three. We go to Detroit where the Vikings go on the road and play a division rival, the Detroit Lions. Detroit's playing a lot of good football right now. However, uh, the play here is going to be on Minnesota plus the one and a half. Minnesota Vikings plus the one and a half over the Detroit Lions. And then we go to MetLife Stadium. Now, again, I won't make this bet, but I'm going to give you a pick uh, in this game. I won't bet them because I don't want to do that. I don't want to jinx it. But I do think the Giants are going to play within one touchdown score. So if you could get the Giants plus seven, seven and a half, it may go up to eight or nine by game time on Sunday. Everybody's going to be all over Philadelphia to roll over the New York Giants at the MetLife Stadium. I look for the Giants to play another good game. They played very well last week in spite of the tie. Don't listen to the critics. They did a heck of a job. They're going to hopefully get another player or two back next week as they get healthier towards the end of the season and they could sneak in as that seven seed. That's what the, the Giant fans are hoping for and that's what they may get. But I would take the points in that Giant game. I think everybody's going to be all over Philadelphia. And then in my, I, I think this might be my NFL play of the year. I, I don't usually like to say stuff like this because it, it's it's a little strange to say it, but I think the Seattle Seahawks minus four over the Carolina Panthers is, is a gift. It's at Seattle. Um, I think Seattle wins by by two touchdowns. So Seattle Seahawks is is the lock of the day, lock of the week. So again, Seattle, the Giants, the Jets the Minnesota Vikings, and the Las Vegas Raiders. Good luck. Have a great week. And uh, coming coming up next week, we'll have the NFL, of course. And, of course, we'll have some, some bowl, bowl predictions on, on all the bowls. There's enough bowls to, <clears throat> enough balls to fill up a... Uh, to fill up a bowling alley, if you know what I mean. There's plenty of bowls, plenty of lanes open, plenty of opportunities. So have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. All righty. Good job, Russ. I hope you do well this weekend, my friend. I really, really do. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out on the world of social media or on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Pod, or on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Thank you to Dolo Ren. 
aka Alex DeJesus, for making this all possible and all the great content you produce for our social media pages. So we'll see you next week. I know there will be a lot of talk about when it comes to the NFL, and hopefully we have some other great extra juicy content coming your way. Enjoy the rest of your week, my friends, family, and pets. Enjoy the rest of the week, the greatest fans and listeners in the world. And again, I just want to thank Brian McKeon, Desmond Price, Alex Ranelio, Russ Miller, and Alex DeJesus for their contributions on the show today. Thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for making this all possible. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I will see you in a week. Please enjoy the time and take in the holiday season because it'll be over before you know it. All right. I love you. Thank you to the greatest fans and listeners in the world for making this all possible. And I'll see you really, really soon. All right. Peace.